hello and welcome to Infinite Pixels. I'm your host, Jordan. Uh, and this month, I'm joined by... Me, Ryan. Hello. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> word for word. All right. Uh, each month, we come together to talk about a video game we think it's fun, important, or just interesting. And this month, we're talking about Half-Life. Take it away, Ryan. Yeah, Half-Life. Um, I think it's a game that needs no introduction. I think anyone who knows uh, anything about the history of video games knows about Half-Life. And even if you've never played it, you've probably heard of it. Uh, this is a first-person shooter from 1998. Yeah, November. Yeah. Uh, famously, Valve's first game, right? Or the yes. first game The first game by... made by them. I think they were working on something else, and then they canceled it. Because they were like, well, this isn't working. Let's just go full in on Half-Life. And they did. And uh, it well, it's a prolific game. Like I said, it needs no introduction. But, uh, you know, I personally had never played it before. Seen a lot of gameplay of it. Uh, oh, a little familiar with it. I basically knew the premise of the game was, uh, you know, laboratory experiments go wrong and you have to fight your way out. Um but I was surprised by how much this game had uh, more than that. But, uh, you know, Jordan, I'm curious to start because you picked this game, correct? I did. Uh, why did you want to play this game for the podcast? I wanted to play it because I want to play Half-Life 2 eventually uh, and its sequels. Maybe even Portal? I don't know because that's like kind of a difficult game to be like, let's replay it if you're familiar with all the puzzles. Mm -hmm. um, but... Uh, I had asked, like, actually, like, a Discord server I'm on. I was like, hey, do you think that we should play the original Half-Life or just skip to Half-Life 2 for, uh, like, if you would want to talk about Half-Life? And my friend was like, uh, just play Half-Life 1 because I think it holds up today. Um, and I would like to do, like, the remake of as well. And I think that this is still holds up today, even after playing this. I was like, oh, wow, okay. Like, this is a lot better than I thought it was. Like, I think Donkey Kong Country or, like, Kid Icarus or, like, some stuff where you're like, this is from the time and this is from the time. But like, it's still surprising how much of this game still works mm -hmm. today. A, a lot of the stuff that's dated is, like, graphics and audio, like, cosmetic stuff. Yeah. I think gameplay-wise, structure-wise, like, a lot of it, I even, I was playing it thinking that, it really, really shows how the, like, dime a dozen online multiplayer um, video games, like, pale in comparison. Like, I, I've played a lot yeah, of today. First, yeah, by, com like, to, compared to Half-Life, like, you know, uh, so many first-person shooters are not this, like, well thought out. They're not this well designed. Uh, they're not this well paced. Like, it's, it's, or intriguing, frankly. Yeah. Like, Half-Life was really, really intriguing. Um, it was revolutionary at the time. I mean, I think you and I both watched uh, No Clip. We've watched their stuff before, like their Bastion mm -hmm. documentary. We watched their uh, documentary for Half-Life, which is, it doesn't interview anyone from who worked on the game. Um, but it just interviews a lot of developers who are familiar with the uh, game and the franchise and its influence. And they interview Corey Bal Balrog, who worked on... Uh, God of War, the 2018 one. And he, like, says, like, we were working on a game at the time, like, whatever project he was working on. He's like, I, I remember we we shipped it, uh, uh, like, around when the demo for Half-Life came out. And my, like, heart dropped when the demo for Half-Life came out. Because I was like, 
This blows ours out of the water. Yeah. It's like not even close. Th- they were also working on a first-person shooter, yeah. and they were like, this game... And it was just the demo. I think yeah. the exact words he said was something like, the demo for Half-Life changed the entire video game industry. That's how like good it was. Just the demo alone. Yeah. Like how, how fresh and unique it was. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that we're playing this before we play Half-Life 2 because um, I was in an interesting situation where I did play Half-Life 2, uh, uh, probably like four hours of it, not that long. And You got uh, to the boat section, right? I think you've said that. Yeah, I got to the boat section and then I did something really... Sh- I, like, there was a, a lot of enemies and I panicked and ran and uh, I fucked my game up and I just didn't The boat section back. isn't fun, so I'm not blaming you for that yeah well and you know it's interesting so i played it on the orange box for xbox 360 in like 2010 and um i remember playing half-life 2 from the beginning and thinking like okay this is the sequel i've never played half-life 1 but i kind of know like what it is um and i jumped right into half-life 2 and i felt like wow i must have missed a lot more story than i thought in (laughs) half-life 1 like this just drops you in there's a lot of stuff i don't have context for but now playing Half-Life 1, I realize that's the style of these games uh, kind of presentation. Yeah. So it, it, it was interesting going back to play Half-Life 1 and being like, oh, I, I was actually, I probably could have started from Half-Life 2 and gotten a similar kind of effect. Um, but that was something I really loved about Half-Life 1. Uh, it, and I, this, talking about how the game is revolutionary, it definitely was revolutionary in this aspect. There, Like you said, there's no cutscenes. It's all... Uh, the the game's entire story is just told through gameplay. Yeah, and I, you had, like, said, oh, what was what was it like playing this, mm-hmm. like, uh, the first time? Because you play, you I, played I this multiple you, times. I, I played it before. Yeah. Um, and I think I played it on like a, my 2012 like compact like from a store PC, mm-hmm. um, and it was fun. Like even then. Like, I, re- I think I remember I wanted to play Half-Life 2, uh, and I never, I, you know, I couldn't play M-rated games, so I never got the orange box, but I now I had access to Steam. Uh, so I was like, okay, like, I'm going to go ahead and, and get that on Steam uh, along with Half-Life 1. And I was like, let me just go through Half-Life 1, because I'd seen a lot of Half-Life 2, uh, and I knew that held up. And so I'm like, I'll, I'll go through Half-Life 1. Uh, and uh, I remember it being really difficult and not really enjoying parts of it like I, I was like frustrated with with a lot of the game um i it was really hard um i didn't like the way that it looked i was like this looks old <laughs> and like half-life 2 i was like that looks like new and like fresh yeah because it came out you know like five years ago um at the time that you played it yeah i think it came out no it, it came out in 2005 so never mind uh, well, I was even, thinking of the Orange Box, which came out yeah. in 2007. I played Half-Life 2 in 2010 on the Orange Box, and yeah. I remember thinking this looks like a modern game. Yeah. I, I think Half-Life 2 still holds up mm-hmm. really, really well. Um, this isn't a Half-Life 2 podcast, <laughs> but it, it holds up really well comparatively to this, which is very much like, okay, like straight textures, like here our character models that like their mouth mouths are just flapping up and down. (laughs) It's charming, but it's, it's like, okay, like this is from the nineties. Can I say like, I, it's definitely dated. Um, but I love this era of graphics. And I think I've talked with you off camera about this before. Uh, I like the, the Nintendo 64 era of graphics is my favorite 
like graphic look just because it's so unique and it's not it existed by necessity no one wanted it to look like 3d polygons like the game designers they were just working with the graphic uh capabilities that they had and so you get a lot of games that have like a really unique uh kind of presentation because there was no um visual language for this 3d kind of gameplay yet so a lot Mm -hmm. of games had to be inventive uh and with half-life's graphics like the way that they uh present models and uh cut corners visually where they need to for like graphic limitations uh it's really really interesting and it it just this era presents such a unique style um and i think even though half-life one's graphics are like clearly dated um it's a particular like point in time that i think a lot of people are realizing is unique and fun so there there's an interesting kind of renaissance with those graphics going on right now a lot of indie games are trying to emulate that 3d uh early 3d polygon style yeah have you seen like the ps1 horror disc yeah exactly like uh indie jam that people do yeah yeah and it's super cool um because it's easier now to make those kinds of graphics because it's it doesn't take like half-life when it came out these were cutting edge graphics like this probably looked really good for the time yeah um but now it's much easier to be like basic 3d model you don't have to texture anything just do like flat pngs and i i think that this like helps sell like horror yeah games like and half-life one relies a lot on horror Mm -hmm. Uh, and half-life 2 does in in some aspects but half-life one especially in the beginning is like this is like very horror based and uh and it helps to have like bad graphics because you you can tell i know what the alien looks in in alien Mm -hmm. right i can play alien isolation and there's nothing that's going to be surprising about what a human looks like an android looks like what an alien looks like what a desk looks like (laughs) you know and in like in a game like this it's like i don't know what like a creature is going to look like because they all look so distorted and weird because Mm -hmm. of the low polys yeah it really works to the game's advantage and I, like, maybe this is a hot take, uh, but I think the game is all the better for it. Like, I think this is a rare example where this limited 3D graphics, like, has actually made the game age better. There's nothing creepier to me than, like, old, like, 1990s, like, PC stuff. Like, I remember I had a PC growing up when I was in, like, grade school that had uh, this, like, the pu- puke green screen uh, as the background. <laughs> Because I didn't know how to change the background. Right. Um, and it, like, it was just, your desktop back in the day was just, here's icons on, like, the left-hand side. And there's, like, it's all, like, straight and jagged. There's no, like, everything today is, like, all, like, bubbly. Even, like, mm-hmm. you know, you see icons on, like, uh, your start bar. And it's not just, okay, uh, these are going to be uh, rough-edged icons. They're all going to have... Uh, uh, softer surfaces because that's what's more appealing to the yeah. eye. The people who make computers and softwares and who visually design that stuff have all learned the tricks to make it look better and be easier to like visually process. PCs of this era, of like the Half-Life era, it was more about just like efficiency. There was no thought to like, how does this presentation like, how can we make it look extra nice? It was just like, here's your desktop, here's your well, icons. Polygons are squares or right. like triangles nowadays mm-hmm. uh and you can't really do that um 1998 so, yeah uh but yeah this game is pretty pretty uh influential in general we had we had talked about like 
its uh, like levels and like presentation. Because uh, games back in the day, especially first-person shooters, uh, if you play like Doom or Quake, it's levels. Mm-hmm. Like, and this is level-based too. But you would mention like it never cuts from the from the eyes of of Gordon Freeman. Yeah. Uh, you didn't do that back in the day. You would end a level and it would be like congrats do, do, yeah. do, do, you did it and it would play like a sick ass riff uh and in this it's just like loading like you're in the new level and we didn't cut between the two yeah. uh and that all they did is is basically just cut out the the loading screen between the level but you know that really adds to the immersion of the game and all the levels in the game are very like specifically tailored to like here's an idea here's an idea here's an idea whether it's like here's the intro where you're riding on the monorail or here's you going uh into like the bowels of the facility of like having to go through like the sewers or what have you you know they Mm -hmm. all focus on a specific mechanic or certain place or you know a certain feel yeah absolutely and i think having the game uh, be one continuous take like that and uh, having these clever visual and auditory elements to uh, make every area feel different. Um, it's it's has a lot of thought behind it um, to the presentation, a lot of thought to like the storytelling, which uh, you don't really see in games from this era. Um, particularly like, you know, you mentioned how, there, there's no loading screens, there's no end-of-level stuff. You just, like, are walking, and then the game loads, and then you keep walking. Um, it really makes it feel like one long day for uh, Gordon Freeman. Um, it, it, it really... It, it has this interesting effect where um, everything feels so organic when you play. Like, uh, wherever you end up, in the vents or in the sewers, it feels like, oh, I'm just supposed to be here like sometimes you panic and you just run in a direction because you're being swarmed with enemies or whatever and you the game just keeps going like this is a really good example of a game that i don't know if it fits in any other category where like you're not sure if you're doing things right but you're making progress yeah you know what i mean i've always thought that valve has probably some of the best level design in the games Mm -hmm. and especially like going into half-life 2 i think this game, it gets a bit confusing because a lot of the hallways all look the same because that's just the way they're textured. Yeah. Especially, like, near the end. But, like, in, in their level level design, they do a lot of really good signposting. Uh, and even though you might feel lost, you'll, like, I, I think there was a, a part in the game where I, like, I climbed up a vent. And the, the way out of it was, like, through a window. And... To, like that i knew that it was go uh, i had to go out the window because as soon as i climbed up like the ladder or vent or whatever uh the window was right in my face and if i turned to the left there was it was in like a facility with like a bunch of bunk beds uh and there was a at the very end there was a security guard that was like hanging out by a security door with like a bunch of weapons in it and that wasn't the right way Right, and I went down that way because I just do that in games where I want to check out everything that's there. And I talked to the security guard, and he like it, I got him to open up the door. And I grabbed all the weapons, and then I came out and I went, "Where do I need to go?" And then like I started to walk down the like ladder or whatever, and then I went, "This isn't right," because now I'm going back. And then I climbed up the ladder, and as soon as I climbed up the ladder, I was like, 
That's right. You, they pointed me exactly where I needed to go. The window's yeah. open. Yeah. There's no like glass in the way or anything like that. I just have to walk, jump through the window and then lo and behold, it was like, it wasn't the best level design, but it was, hey, you have to walk on this like out, uh, this outer ledge on the building to get around to jump onto a fire escape. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's really well done. Mm-hmm. And they had pointed to the fire escape before because, you know, I had climbed up through the building and uh, below, like, everything, you would come up through, like, the back of the building. Uh, and on your way through, you, they showed, hey, here's the fire escape on your left. And I was like, okay, great. Like, I know I'm going to have to go up that fire escape mm-hmm. eventually. It's so simple and it's so visual. And, you know, we mentioned the graphics, uh, like, the textures are really simple. Uh, they, the designers, I think, clearly understood that. And so everything like a window or a fire escape or, you know, a vent that you can crawl into or like an opening in the wall, it's all very easy to identify from a player perspective because it's against just like plain concrete walls a lot of the time. Like the facility that the game takes place in is like an underground government lab, basically, or like underground science lab. Um, So it was really clever to uh, guide the player using things that stand out against these these plain... uh, cold scientific surfaces uh, and and it, it does it in more ways than just like set design too um there's color coordination uh there's a certain section of the game where you have to power up like oxygen and yeah. uh, fire and there's pipes on the walls one is blue is and one is red so anytime you get lost you can just look at the walls and follow the colors um and it leads you to where uh the mission objective is and then back to where you started the mission um, yeah so there's a lot of really clever just like uh visual game design elements like that um and it's it's just so clear when you play this game that so much thought went into the presentation and not only like the presentation with how it guides the player and how it uh teaches the player in game without a single tutorial it teaches you what to do yeah and, but also, like, the in-world reasoning behind it. Um, yeah. It never feels inorganic to have guides on the wall to or have color-coded pipes or whatever. Um, maybe, maybe by today's standards, it's a little bit obvious. Would you rather have the thing that's become uh, second nature in video games now, like, to spray, like, yellow paint on everything? That's what they do nowadays. Like, yeah. in Horizon, the Horizon games, like Horizon Zero Dawn and... Um, the sequel, they just have yellow paint on climbable ledges. You're saying like a like HUD indicator? No, it's not even like a HUD. It's just in the environment. Oh. That's just what everything looks like now. And I even was playing like in, in God of War, the way that you know that uh, there's a ledge that you can climb or jump across, there's like Nordic runes on every <laughs> single space you can jump across. And it feels weird because if you're playing it and you don't know where to go, that's an easy indicator of now I know where to go. And they're dealing with the lowest common denominator yeah. person. Like, I, w- I was just going to say that's like the the baby mode version of that. Not, not to like take anything away from those games, but that's like the, the developers don't want to have to spend their time because making video games is hard. Thinking, how do we visually convey that you can jump across this ledge in a unique way that we haven't done yet to this game? I don't even think it's that. I think it's just the visual fidelity is so strong that, like, how do you say, how do you move up this cliff where everything looks like a cliff? And you're like, okay, 
I don't know that I wasn't supposed to go up that cliff. That's probably true. You know? yeah. Well, that's another reason why uh, it's impressive and clever to have this game take place in an underground lab because you have these blank walls that you can just everything against these concrete tunnels just pops you know not just gameplay uh guidance elements but like enemies too i was thinking about this when i was playing that the aliens that you fight in this game are the extra dimensional beings i guess technically they look very organic uh they look very round uh like when i say they look organic i mean they just look so fleshy they're, they're, they look soft and squishy, um, and you're in like this concrete cold lab, so they really stand out against the environment in a way that um, is clearly intentional, I think, like uh, to have the player be able to easily identify them, and also uh, just to thematically communicate that they're different, they're otherworldly. So there's a lot of clever utilization of, of visuals because of, of the graphical limitations, whereas something like God of War... Like you said, the visual fidelity is so high. Um, I'm not sure they have the opportunity to be um, as you know unique, inventive, clever with it. It's more about efficiency and uh, lowest common denominator, like you said. And it's kind of unfortunate because I, I know that like we played Dead Space and that game is like just push a button and there you go. <laughs> yeah, and that's why like a lot of uh, a lot of people always do. You know, here's an arrow, like Bioshock has like the giant arrow at the top, and this yeah. game can't do that. I don't know if they couldn't do that at, at the time, but... Well, I'm glad they know. didn't. I think it's better for it. Um, as much as it's nice to have those uh, go-this-way dummy things, um, I think the sign of the really, really good design in Half-Life is they don't need that stuff. You know, I did you ever get like horribly stuck when you played this game? No, but I had already played it before, but I definitely did the first time I played it. I remember I was like, man, I don't remember where I'm supposed to go when I uh, at some points in this, but I was always like, okay, I think I have to, okay, now I think I remember. Like, I would, yeah. my memory would get jogged uh, and I would, I would figure it out, or I would just like look up, you know, hey, am I stuck here? And it would be like, uh no and i uh, you know and then i would figure it out again like i would look it up on youtube no game's perfect and there are definitely some some parts like that but i think for the most part like it's it's pretty clear what you're supposed to do definitely the worst part the worst level in this i think by far was the one where you're stuck on the rails dude that, uh, that one i i felt like I couldn't figure out anywhere where to go. I'm gonna be <laughs> before honest. we get there with the rails. <laughs> oh yeah, I, we'll 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 get there. But yeah, that one was really bad. Sure, we'll get to the rails. But yeah, there's a couple points in the game where it drags. Um, but it's so long; it's like twelve hours or like ten to twelve hours, right? Like yeah, and we had played like other stuff that was really long, like controls really long. But like control, it I always felt like. I'm doing something like new. This one I'm I am doing like every level is different. But like I I didn't feel like I was getting that dopamine rush of like a story <laughs> or you know, here's a a more a really really fun combat encounter. I just felt like this sometimes got a little dull. We were like, okay, find some some Vortigaunts again. Would you say um I'm not sure if I would say dull, but more like repetitive or um just not like a dopamine rush is a good thing to bring up. Like it's it's just there are parts where the game is like walk around these empty corridors and push buttons. Yeah, and it's, it's not like, bad. It's, yeah, it's just this was nineteen ninety eight. 
Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> like, it, 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 control can can get all of that out of the way, you know, and have the like fun stuff where Jesse is like constantly talking to herself, or even Dead Space, where like the other characters are like, talking to you, and you know, the necromorphs present like a unique challenge and how you might shoot off their limbs, mm-hmm. uh, where that might be different every time. It's interesting. We we have played Control on this podcast before. We have played Dead Space on this podcast before. And it is interesting to, to think about those games do certain elements of Half-Life a little bit better than Half-Life does. But I think both of those games clearly take huge um, influence or take a lot of influence from Half-Life, whether intentionally or unintentionally. I think if Half-Life had never come out, those two games would... would probably look totally different you know what i mean if they would even exist at all yeah and it's you know uh you picked control to play right and you I picked, and Dead, I picked space. dead space and you picked half-life, and I half-life. <laughs> so i think there's there's some... a pattern here of <laughs> games that i like yeah i was thinking about control when i played half-life because it's it's similar like control you're in an office setting and there's uh fuckery going on but in Half-Life, you're in kind of a lab technician setting and there's fuckery. Yeah. But it's a very similar kind of like uh, uh, quiet horror tone. I like I like that stuff. I, li- I like like corporate... Uh, I like corporate mundane gone wrong. Yeah. I think that's interesting. It is. I mean, it is interesting. Yeah. Um, real quick, I, did, did you want to mention the stuff with the development or no? Just because I had that up. I, think I, felt, it, I felt like that was interesting. We had talked yeah. about the, um, just the the dev- like the way the levels are laid out, and if you're if you've if this is the first thing about Half Life you've listened to, uh, okay, <laughs> but uh, but uh, thank you. Why? Uh, but why? Uh, but the reason why like these levels are made like this uh, is at the time like a lot of games were made, it would be like. Here's a programmer and a audio tech uh, engineer and like you know graphics guy and whatever and like they would all just have separate departments and then they would come together and like uh, with this game they made something called the Cabal and I saw people equate it to like Pixar's Brain Trust. Yeah, it, it's a think tank type of thing. Yeah, where they would get like people from different disciplines to come together and they would meet up and then. They figure out what are, what are we doing right and what are we doing wrong, and then they would go back and, and work on those uh, ideas. And that's why I think like the levels work that the way that they do because it it is very focused on like this level is this, this level is that. Yeah, it feels so airtight, which is surprising that to, it was surprising to find out like a team of people were all having uh, kind of equal say in it in that way, D- just because it feels so. Because it feels like such a concise um, presentation, you know? Yeah. And that's literally how Valve works now. They still do the Cabal when they when they re- <laughs> yeah, release projects. How they worked ten years ago, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, they put out Half-Life to Alex like five years ago. Come on. Yeah, I'm actually curious. Um, what, uh, like, have you... I don't. We can just touch on this and then go back to the development. But real quick, have you played um, any other sequels besides Half-Life 2? Uh, I mean, I played episode one and two, and I played Portal, which is technically in the same universe. Right. Um, but otherwise, and I haven't played Alex because I don't have a Vive. Yeah. And it's only on Vive. Yeah, that was an interesting thing, too, that it did, is Alex Half-Life 3, or is it something yeah. else, basically? Basically. Wow, that's crazy. So, um, but, I, I do not know that, I, I haven't had any spoilers for 
Alex, and I want to keep it that way. No, for sure. Well, that's the thing. Like, yeah. essentially, Half Life Three came out, and like it, I didn't hear a lot of chatter about it. I mean, I'm not in all the Half Life circles, but uh, it's because nobody could play it. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what what happens yeah. with that. I'd love to play it someday. This podcast might be a good. That'd be cool, but, uh, but I don't have a thousand dollar computer <laughs> to then drop another thousand dollars on a headset. Yeah. So I mean, uh, but back to the development. Yeah. Um, sorry to sidetrack, but it, it is uh, very interesting that um, this game uh, not only was a kind of groundbreaker with gameplay presentation, but was also. Uh, one of the first games to kind of pull from the modding community to, like, develop a game, right? Yeah. Uh, so, like, Gabe Nolan, I can't remember the other founder's name. Sorry. John Lennon. Uh, they're b- John, L- John Lennon? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they said John Lasseter. Because you said <laughs> from Pixar. Big, that's that's possible. Yeah. Uh, Let's <laughs> not talk about John Lasseter. Uh, but uh, Gabe Nolan, this other Microsoft executive, went off and started Valve because uh, they were... They are huge millionaires, uh, and yeah. then uh, I mean they were when they yeah. started Valve. They pulled a bunch of people from like the modding scene for like Quake and like Doom and stuff, uh, and then uh, pulled them onto the team to work on Half Life. And that feels like a lot of what they continued to do over time with like how they got like the students who worked on Narbacular Drop for Portal because mm. it was a student game, uh, and then. They, they took the, I think, Campo Santo, who worked on uh, Fire Watch to do In the Valley of Gods, and that game is never coming out. I think in that no, no clip doc, documentary, they're like talking about, oh yeah, like we'll see what happens within the Valley of Gods. I'm like, that's funny, because nothing happened with that game. <laughs> I don't even know I mean, the context of that. Yeah, it's it's basically they took it. They, they kind of uh, did like an Activision where they like scooped up this team, and then they were like... Uh, go to the steam mines you're fine <laughs> that sucks yeah do you i mean think... that's what people figure we don't know what's happening because yeah. the thing about with the thing with valve is uh because they don't have a hierarchy that's the other thing about valve that we haven't mentioned that they're they're there's no hierarchy of, of developers and with that development style a lot of people go there and they just can work on whatever project they want and they're very Apple in that way, mm. or Google, where they're like, "Hey, we made a project. Uh, will it see the light of day? Eh, nah. I we just did it to test this this style of whatever it is that we wanted to work on. You know that that's probably really good for like creative uh, freedom and like idea exploration, concept exploration, and yeah. But you don't really get any games anymore nowadays. Sure. It's, it, they don't really need to release any games." From the from what I always hear, it's a, uh, I was watching a video about it today. Somebody was describing it as like, this is where like old game developers go to like retire, <laughs> not really like retire, but just you know, I'm gonna go here and I can live a cushy like thing because I don't have to present a product. Yeah, I don't I don't want to do the grind anymore. I want a little more lax yeah. game Which game industry. Makes sense. I mean, Starfield's coming out this fall, and that's been in development for like eight years. Wow. So. Well, how long was Half-Life's development time again? Probably like two, three. Yeah, kind of a normal development time, yeah. right? Yeah. The games don't cost, you know, $10 million over that. Or in the case of Starfield, that's probably close to $400, $500 million. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. I mean, that game has been in development for eight years. When's it coming out? Uh, September. Wow. As long as it doesn't get delayed. Are you going to play it? Yeah. 
Uh, this isn't the Starfield podcast, though. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, do yeah. you think... I wanted to ask, um, not only with... Because I, I feel as though at the time, um, it was probably not that common to pull from a modding community to make games. Do you Do you think that's a good idea for video games as a whole? Or do you think it's something that should only be once in a while? Like, I guess, what's your take on... I think it's smart. You think it's smart? I mean, I, I like when people get fans to work on something. Because I think, especially with with games, they're so closed off. And so, like, hey, you know, you go to work on this project and you can't talk about it with anyone. You signed a billion NDAs, you know. Oh, it got canceled after three years. You can't show your work, you know. And maybe if you get people from the modding community who know more about your tech, things that you might not think of, then I think that's smart. I think that's smart, too, because... And then you get people... Uh, if someone is a modder for something, you know, they're passionate about it. They're doing it as a hobby or they're doing it for fun. Yeah. So if, if they're having fun modding your game or building off of what you've already built, I think that's someone that would naturally, like, be a, a perfect hire to, to pay them to take your games further or to make games for you, you know? Yeah. And you get really good... Uh, like, that's... It's interesting to me because um, Counter-Strike... Team Fortress, like, a lot of Half-Life mods became, like, franchises of in and of themselves, like, really popular games in their own right, um, like, transcending Half-Life, even. Um, and it's it's interesting to think that that practice of uh, encouraging modding is is not, like, universally common, you know? I, I think yeah. fan communities can make a lot of really great stuff with, with games, right? I always get confused with Smash Bros, because you'll look up, like this thing in smash and then it'll be like oh this this is uh not uh the rosalina from smash ultimate it's like a a smash mod where rosalina has these different moves and you'll be like what is this and then you'll be like what uh joker from uh dc comics is in this not (laughs) joker from persona that's weird I actually was just last week watching modded footage of Ganondorf in Smash Ultimate where they changed his entire moveset to make him resemble, like, the video game Ganondorf a little bit more, like, with his moves. Uh, and it's really interesting, and I liked a lot of the ideas that were presented. Um, so, yeah, I mean, modding is, is interesting. Modding is cool. And I didn't know Half-Life had such a, a, like, grassroots history with that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't think I had, I had known about the, the modding scene uh with well i knew about uh team fortress and yeah uh and counter-strike but i didn't really know about uh it getting developed by a lot of modders which i thought was cool too it was cool and you know what it's it watching that no clip documentary about half-life and just playing half-life in general uh made me really nostalgic for that era of gaming because uh you and i were born like uh we were kids when this was going on like little kids yeah right um but i grew up like in the shadow of these kinds of games, you know, and this kind of, like, era of computers and internet. Yeah, my dad would play Doom and uh, Duke Nukem. Right, so. exactly. So did did Half-Life, the first time you played it, did it make you, like, super nostalgic? Uh, no, because I was a shitty teenager then. I was like, bang, <laughs> it doesn't have good graphics. You don't even know what nostalgia is when you're 15 or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, playing it now, uh, it, it did, I don't want to say it made me feel old. Because I didn't, that has like a negative connotation. But I was like, oh man, 
games used to just look like this. Wistful. Yeah, it was wistful. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I felt uh, old, wistful and old in a good way. Um, but yeah, this this uh, even down to the sound font. Yeah, I was um, going to ask about the sound. Yeah, dude, I fucking love the sound in this game. Yeah. I don't know who did the voices for the scientists. I didn't look it up. It's but... the same. I think the, the same guys are in two. They just they combine all the scientists to one, and the security guard is the guy from Blue Shift, Barney. Oh, okay. I, I watched a little bit. Yeah, in that documentary, they touch on that a little bit. Um, but yeah, dude, I love the scientists' voices. I love their delivery. I love their lines. There, there's something about, and I texted you this before we started playing, or before we were we were talking here. Um, I just love the first like 30 minutes of this game. It's really, really fun yeah. to just watch all the scientists walk around. <laughs> can you uh, can you uh, go over just the story? We're not going to go level by level, but yeah. just like what what the quote story unquote because there's not really a a story. There's mm-hmm. just things that happen. Yeah, the, it's a series of events. And what are the series of events? Take me summarize the game. Yes, I can do a sent. I'll just break down the important stuff. Um, the game starts, you are Gordon Freeman. That's established in the first minute. You are walking into work. You work as a theoretical physicist in an underground government lab. You're conducting a normal experiment, or, you know, a little bit is askew as you walk in, but there's no reason to assume it's anything other than a normal day. You are performing this experiment. The experiment goes wrong, and all of a sudden... The lab, the bunker, the underground compound that you work in is flooded with uh, alien creatures. And you have to fight your way out because the alien creatures are killing people. Um, that's basically the pitch of the game. Yeah. Should I go over like the finer story details? Uh, no, I mean, just like the, the plot points that come up later. The actual like plot points of like, and then the military comes in. Yes. Just that. Because there's not, again, there's not really a story. Yeah. But I just want to get, like, this is a summary of what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the military comes in. You think they're going to save you. They're not there to save you. They're there yeah. to kill everybody. <laughs> they got to clean up. Yeah. And that's a very famous moment in this game, too, uh, that I came to learn. But uh, it was like a oh, shit moment. Um, just to touch on it briefly, you're playing the game. There's a dorky scientist who looks like Albert Einstein. And he walks up to this uh, military guy and he's like, oh, thank you, salvation, you have saved us. And the military guy doesn't even say anything, he just guns the scientist down and they start shooting you. And that's when you go, like, you're playing the game, you go, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. And you you kill the guy and you're like, oh, my God. Especially because, you know, you think of Half-Life now and it's like about oppressive regimes. It's not really about, like, the military. You're talking in Half-Life 2 is yeah. what it is? Yeah. So. Um, the combine and stuff. But yeah, then from there, you're fighting the aliens, and you're fighting the military, mm-hmm. and you're fighting to survive, and yep. escape, and try to fix whatever happened, um, and then you end up just uh, learning more about the aliens, kind of going to the aliens' homeworld, and then the game ends. Yeah. you. Fi- I mean, there's, like, there's cool stuff there where you find out, like, the scientists have been, like, experimenting on aliens further on. But, oh yeah, like, that's like, kind of a reveal, too. But uh, otherwise, yeah. Dude, I loved the, like, the game doesn't explicitly tell you what is happening. Mm-hmm. In a, in, like, you know what's going on, but you don't know the grander points of everything that you're taking part in. Yeah, and it's cool because, like, there's, 
it feels very like there's there's a lot of hidden weird shit in it mm-hmm. like x files Z. like yep what happened like i don't know i know that this game takes a lot of influence from the mist i've never seen the mist it's a stephen king um, novel it's a it's a story, it's a way. short story and it's a really good movie by frank darabont as well okay uh so i know it takes a lot of influence from that as well i've seen the movie and it, it is a lot like the mist yeah uh and you get like a lot of interactions with like weird government cons- uh, government agents in this uh specifically it's uh the g-man yeah. who's in this uh who is just this guy who has like a very wet sounding voice <laughs> where he's constantly smacking his lips uh and you see him throughout the game and he's like holding the briefcase and he's like adjusting his tie and stuff uh and he's in every level and then at the end of the game he's like great job mr freeman are you going to be employed by us or not make your choice yeah and then you can choose whether or not you want to actually like join his employee and if you don't uh you have to like basically fight a bunch of guys and die automatically yeah i don't even know if you get the opportunity to fight i think it just plops you in and then you just I don't think you have all your weapons. You don't have any of your weapons. Yeah, you don't have any weapons. And yeah. then I think... I watched it on YouTube. I didn't play it. But it just plops you in the room. And I don't even know if you can move. You're just looking at a room full of soldiers. And G-Man's like... Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's like, wrong choice or, or whatever he says. Um, yeah, he's a great character. Yeah. Because there's literally no explanation for who he is, what he wants, if he's even human... You don't learn anything about yeah, him. He's like, my employers. And he, like, he can, like, phase through, like, portals and, like, go through different dimensions along with you. And you're like, mm-hmm. what is happening? Yeah. And then at the end, he, like, he's, like, uh, when you finally, like, walk through the door to, like, say, yeah, I'll enjoy you. He's like, very good, Mr. Freeman. And then, like, the, uh, he's like, we'll see you when we need you again. And, like, that ending, like, to the lead up of, like, Half-Life 2, like, the opening of, like, the G-Man speech, his Rise of the Giant speech is like, oof. Like, when you get that, like, you know, like, oh, that's where this is from. It's yeah. like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, no, that's, um, because I've played the beginning of Half-Life 2. It, it, it was, like I said, I started it, and I was like, I guess I missed stuff. But playing the you end missed of... G-Man saying, are you going to join me or not? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. I thought G-Man would be way more in the game. Like, every time I saw him playing Half-Life 1, I was like, oh yeah, there he is. When is he going to pop up and do stuff? The answer is never. <laughs> he does more stuff in, in the sequels. Yeah, so. I, I've heard, again, I've avoided spoilers, but I've heard that the sequel, you learn a lot more about everything that's going on. You don't, but... oh. He, he's in it more. He talks more. Sure. Uh, he's a really... The the actor playing him, like you said, his voice sounds so unique. His cadence is really weird. Just everything about him is so mysterious and engaging. Um, I don't know if they answer this in Half-Life 2, but do you have a take on like what he is or what his motivation is? No. No? <laughs> <laughs> no. And I think that's on purpose. And I'm sure... In, Alex, they probably reveal some stuff. Sure. But, uh, no. I, I I thought, like, just playing this game, it seemed to me that he was an alien in human skin. That's that's all I really got from him. I've always thought that he kind of was, like, the board in control, where he has, like, extra-dimensional employers, and they're, like, there to do some things to make sure, like, time or 
dimensions go correctly. Sure. Yeah, I, I definitely got it. I, I would agree with you for the most part. Um, I was reading about this game and like theories and analysis of it and stuff. And someone like put out there that um, G-Man, like as far as who you are, Gordon Freeman in the game, whatever you're taking part in by playing this game is like the tip of the iceberg for some much grander like cosmic event. And G-Man is yeah. kind of like your your connection to it he he's working for someone who's working for someone who's working for you someone. haven't played two but that's very much the case with what you learn with what happened after this event sure and why like the planet is like enslaved by the combine do you have stuff. do you have any takes on like gordon freeman's character like again no because he's not a character <laughs> <laughs> well okay there was one line of dialogue that i thought was really interesting um, and I don't. I think I'm reading too much into it, but uh, there's a lot of analysis of this this game and its story out there. Um, and at one point, you run in. At one point during Half Life One, you're playing through a certain area, and there's two military guards there, and their backs are to you, so they don't see you, and you can listen to them talk for a moment if you want. And the military soldiers say something about like, "Oh, this guy, Gordon Freeman." I guess, like, was at the center of this experiment or something, and blah, blah, blah. And one of them says, like, do you think it was sabotage that he made the experiment go wrong or whatever? And the other guy was like, uh, who knows? And then I think they stopped talking and you can kill them. Um, but it just, I thought it was intriguing to think of this as, like, maybe Gordon knew what he was doing when he pushed the crystal into the experiment chamber and caused the cataclysm of events that... Uh, transpired uh yeah i don't know because i and i guess we'll never know because i guess the story just doesn't have an ending i mean maybe it does with alex but it seemed like especially when you look at there was like a post about half-life 3 written by uh mark laidlaw who wrote the story for this uh and all the half-life games um he like wrote like a blog post about like in character is like here's what i basically would have done for half-life 3 mm. and a lot of people have like like if you watched the no clip documentary they talk about that at the end where they kind of like did a game jam like people did a game jam for like here's my interpretation of that what we can glean from that blog post of mm. like what happens to everyone interesting so, okay so there's there's a lot of i mean yeah I wish... and i don't know if that stuff was taken into account for alex yeah, I played it. now I, I really want to play two and Alex and kind of see where it goes. Um, but it's it's also really, I think I really like that this game is intentionally vague with some of those elements. It's awesome. It reminds yeah. me of a lot of, of like Fringe. That's like my X-Files. <laughs> I really like Fringe. The There's a guy in there, I can't remember what the name of the characters are, but they're like basically G-Men where they wear like a like a, a black hat uh and they're all bald and they're uh, i think they're the observers uh and they even at i i could tell i'm like these guys have played half-life because like <laughs> at the end of the game or end of the game and at the end of the show like the fifth season is them like enslaving humanity like basically being like fuck it like we're taking matters into our own hands all this weird extra dimensional crap is is going too crazy. Oh wow! I was like, "Oh, this is just Half Life." <laughs> well, that's uh, speaking of enslavement. Um, could we talk a little bit about the ending of, of Half Life? Kind of the last 
chunk. Sure. Just just because there's a bit of a reveal with like the humanoid aliens that you've been fighting throughout the whole game. I mean, I didn't really take any of that as like like I was playing through it and I don't get any of the like enslavement stuff that's in there. Mm-hmm. I'm like I don't I don't is there story? I mean, do they tell you? I, I, it's, it's just people's interpretations. I yeah. just read a bunch of people's interpretations of it. Um, I mean, along, it's, along it's with my probably own. true. Yeah, uh, but it's, it's hard to glean. But it, it works in, in two because in it, I suppose you're talking about the Vortigaunts. Uh, is it the one eye electric yes. guys? Yeah, yeah. That's vo- that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, the Vortigaunts are enslaved by like a giant baby headed monster. Yes, in this game, baby yeah. fetus. Yeah, what is it called again? Uh, it's uh, the Nihilant. The, the Nihilath? Nihilanth. Nihilanth. The Nihilanth. I don't... Yeah, it's a bad name. It's it's nice because it evokes nihilism, but other than that, it's... It, I mean, it's it's Elrich horror. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> I mean, it's, I think it's I think it looks terrible. Really? Oh, I love the I way it looks. I hate the look, way it looks. Dude, I thought it looked awesome. It was so Eldritch and H.R. Giger and, like, Cronenberg and uh, Carpenter. Yeah, I, I think it looks awful. Oh, dude. I hated it. Why? I, everybody's shit uh, shits on Zen. And replaying this, I was like, Zen's not so bad. It's so bad. And then I got to the last boss. I was like, oh, fucking yeah. I guess, this like, sucks. yeah, besides the look, the other stuff about it is is not super fun. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Was uh, Did you want to talk about the end? I was going to see if you want to talk about highlights. But we can talk about the end real quick. Let's talk about the end and then touch on some highlights. Okay. Because, uh, you know, honestly, um, the ending was kind of a highlight for me. Um, just because, like... What is what was really engaging for me most of the game was just the little story tidbits that you get. I, I every time there was a, a NPC standing there, I was like, "Cool, I can go up and talk to them," and I would get like, <laughs> "Make a little sure bit. you don't." Oh. <laughs> I love that. I love that guy. Uh, you're Freeman, right? He's trying to tell you something, and he gets sniped or whatever. Uh, see, that's the kind it's of hilarious. stuff I like. I like the story stuff. Um, and so, like, when you get to Zem, is it Zem, Zem with Zen? X-E-N. Clever. Uh, when you get to Zen, um, it's it was like a climactic moment. I, I was like, cool, I get to go to the aliens world. And then you walk in, and this was a highlight, when you see the uh, person in the, mm-hmm. the, the HVAC suit. Yeah. yeah. You see someone in a suit that is the suit that Gorn's wearing. So it's like, oh, fuck. They died, and I'm me, and I'm not them, and I can't make it, and it was just cool. Did like, you like the the like defend the scientists part? No, I did, that? I did not like that part. No, because <laughs> <Did laughs> I I didn't realize I was like I I didn't remember this at all. There's like you're going through a bunch of portals, and they're teleporting you around. I actually thought that level was pretty clever. Like looking back, I was like, okay, like these are fun. Yeah. Uh, and then you have to go up to this scientist that's standing on a platform, and he's like defend me while i open a portal to zen you're like okay <laughs> and then all these like they're like small baby headed like nylanth yeah uh come out of out of the portals and they're like zapping him and and they can kill him and at first i thought it was like meant to happen because he'll be like oh my god and yeah, then he'll, yeah. he'll like stuff will just explode and then and then you have to reset and i was like is that what's supposed to happen i don't remember yeah am i stuck or am i glitched out and it's like no you just have to kill the the baby headed things fast and if you 
if you don't, then, you know, too bad. You yeah. you lose. And there's no, like, health bar. You just have to be good. Yeah, basically. You just have to fight until it stops, uh, which is lame. And it's lame because it come, it's the only part in the game that's like that. Yeah. Which I, I, I was like, really? We're doing a tower defense thing here? This is stupid. <laughs> there's no tower. It's just a guy. Yeah, we're doing a hostage defense or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I didn't... not a hostage. <laughs> we're doing a defense. Start over. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, that part was, was lame, um, which maybe made entering Zen seem cooler. Um, it, it was just super interesting to see these weirdo aliens. What does their home world look like? And you just get to run around. It, it was cool. Cause you get the, the jet boots, but, yeah. uh, the, those are not, they don't work the best always. Like, you have to hit, like, control and jump. And it's crouch jumping to long jump. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't work always. So sometimes I would just be like, fuck it. And I would no clip. <laughs> Dude, yeah, there was a lot of fuck it no clip in this for me. Uh, not a, a, What surprised me is, is with Zen, I was like, this is not as bad, like, platforming-wise as I remember it. The The, like, first couple levels where I was like, your first couple spots where you're like jumping on platforms, like floating platforms, I was mm-hmm. like, this doesn't work because no close or the long the long jump doesn't work. Yeah. But then once I got the hang of that, I was like, okay. And then it's just you jumping on some platforms, especially that ending sequ- sequence where you have to jump on the stingrays. I think I did that all legit, uh, which was weird. Like I, 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 there's like a giant spire that comes out of the ground. And it's so thin, you can't, like, jump anywhere. You can't move on at all. Mm-hmm. And you have to, like, long jump to a bunch of platforms all the way down to some stingrays that then carry you over to a portal. And I did it all legit from just, like, quick saving. But it was like, this is not fun. <laughs> but other than that, like, Xena was like, this is not as bad as I remember it. Yeah, it's really just the platforming stuff that's tricky, like you said. I mean it's it's cool to see you see like the um the source of head crabs, which are like the main enemies yeah. in the game. You see like the head crab mom mm-hmm. that it has a name that I didn't write down. Uh actually it's right here. It's like the Zam It's the don't worry about it. We don't have notes up. It's the gun uh, arc. The gun arc. Uh, and then, I just remembered that. Yeah, I just t- took that from my magic <laughs> device. Uh, it's the gun arc. Uh, for me, that guy glitched out, which oh, really? made me sad. Uh, it like it would jump down into its last area, and it has that like spider web thingy. Yeah. Uh, but it would jump down, and then it wouldn't move to like the spider web. Mm. So it was just stuck. So okay. I, I had to... People said, this is like a well-known bug. They either said, have a bunch of like mines that you would then throw on the ground and you could literally blow up what's supposed to fall. <laughs> so there's either that method. I just no clipped. Cause I was like, I'm, uh, I think I can just no clip through and get the next area. Cause like I couldn't do anything. Yeah. I wasn't going to reset the whole level. Right. No, not this level. No. I mean the, the nice thing about like the, the Zen levels is that they're all pretty short. Mm-hmm. Like, but I, I didn't, I just didn't want to fight the gun arc again. Yeah. I mean, as far as like little quick, little tangent, like, uh, no clip philosophy for me was like, if I felt like I get what the game is trying to get me to do, yeah. but it was just like, I could tell it was going to take me a minute to do it. I was like, I'm just going to no clip through this. Yeah. I didn't use it for most of the game. I would say like 
90% of it I was I wasn't using it and then like there were some sequences like there's like a sequence where you have to uh like jump down some of the like mesa and I was like I I don't know how I'm supposed to make this without getting hurt like yeah. I, I just can't do it well that's the interesting thing is I feel like maybe the game was designed around like you're supposed to get hurt at certain points um because I remember yeah like, like, yeah, just, like, for story beats or, like, for thematic whatever. Um, I don't think there was anything like that in Zen um, that, like, you're supposed to get hurt or whatever. But uh, that was the part where, like, you know, up until Zen, you had only been getting little tidbits about the aliens. And as soon as you enter it, it's just, like, I can interpret a million different things from what I'm seeing. Um, yeah. The first time you played this, I was not expecting... Like a factory when I went to Zen, were you? No, um, I was not expecting that at all. And it's interesting looking back and seeing like the, the interpretations of like slavery mm -hmm. that you've probably seen, mm -hmm. um, and the stuff that's in Portal, Portal Half Life Two, um, and like seeing them like work on like different like conveyor belts, like the Vortigaunts, like seeing them like on like weird like elevators and seeing like the healing areas that they can go into yeah that could be like interpreted as like hey you've like go heal up like you you're too tired mm -hmm. today so go to in and do more work mm -hmm. you know what's what's your inter like what do you think that is in world like what is your interpretation i have of no idea because they're not like there's it it there's the polygon count is so like low that it's difficult to even interpret what's going on i saw like a video where somebody was talking about like these are tires and they float in the water and i'm like i can't even tell that those are <laughs> tires like yeah. you're supposed to f push them into the water to get them to float to get over a section and i didn't even do that i just like somehow crouch jump my way there sure like i you know weird stuff like that it, it is interesting as well designed as this game is visually clearly when you get to zen they're going for like disorienting textures on everything um like even in the uh, nihilanth's layer um it's like the same texture repeated over and over and it has an interesting look but it can get kind of like headache inducing yeah. if you look at it too long but um, what did what did you think of like the boss of nihilanth uh i thought it was awesome when he or when it started like talking to you uh, i didn't even think that was talking to like this playthrough i was like oh yeah, well, it's just, like, a voice that comes in or whatever, and I was like, is that a, like, what is that? And then I realized it was, it was, like, a sentence. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it said, I didn't catch it, but I looked it up later, um, and it said, like, I'm the last one or something, or, yeah. like, we're the last ones or something. So, I really, really liked that it was so vague, and there was such a reveal of, like, this alien world has a factory on it, and they're making soldiers, and these types of aliens uh, have, like, they're not attacking me if I don't attack them. They're just walking around. Oh, yeah. Like, I forgot about the soldier aliens, and they're in crates. Yeah. They're in little organic crates, and uh -huh. you can, like, break them out. Mm -hmm. And, it, like, so that all that stuff leading to the final boss, like, in most other games, the area leading up to the final boss is, is like, a enemy rush, or it's, it's, um, it's climactic. And the combat is, like, use everything you've learned to uh, get to the final <laughs> boss and conquer them. But here, it was climactic story beats, but I felt like 
I was expecting like, you know, uh, an army that I have to fight my way through, but it was really just like a, a factory floor, which I just, I was like so caught off guard by. I don't know. I mean, that final area where you're climbing all those elevators and stuff, I was like, Jesus Christ, this is difficult because <laughs> that's where, uh, like, I think that's where or a little bit further up is where I turned on god mode and i turned it off for the last boss but for that i was like i don't have enough ammo and Mm. like i don't know how i'm supposed to get up here because they're pretty stingy on the ammo once you get to zen yeah yeah Uh, and i was like i don't uh, just i need to be invincible for this part so i can like clear this because i'm getting like annoyed with just like moving around this space sure but uh was it like less difficult for you i don't know when you turned on god mode i i turned on god mode around that that part like as as soon as it was like okay there's some bullshit platforming here no i'm just gonna fly around <laughs> i need to fall onto the onto the floor at the bottom of the pit and then no clip my way up please yeah exactly <laughs> i i guess it was it was like um i was just more surprised at the story beats that it was hitting um and that leading into the final boss um, I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting like a big fetus thing. Yeah. I did tell you, I'm like, shoot the crystals. Yeah. Cause I didn't know. Yeah. And I'm glad you did. Cause I walked in, I started shooting it and I was like, I'm running out of ammo. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, George. Okay. Yeah. We're the, oh, right there. And like you said, it does the game. You're supposed to shoot the crystals in order to defeat the final boss. The game does not convey that to you at all. There's like, it's shooting like beams at you and it's shooting like these teleporter uh, portals at you that will just teleport you to a random space where then you have to do some platforming to get back up to get to the space to fight the boss again. Uh, and uh, I actually like liked those sequences because it was like interesting to find out, like, how do I get back to the boss? Yeah. Uh, and I didn't have God mode on for this part. I was just like trying to do it naturally. Um, and that was cool. And I was just hammering bullets in. And I was like, okay, I'm, like, running out of ammo. And there's, like, ammo in, like, the places that he'll teleport you to. Um, and I think there's, a, like, a couple platforms. Because you're on, like, a like a big, like, fleshy, like, bottom. Like, the, the, the floor of the area is, like, big, little fleshy whatever with, like, some springs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's, like, like, there's some springs as in, like, water springs that will heal you because they, like, give off energy. Uh, on like the platforms above you that you can go to for health um and the platforming is like kind of hard to like get to those areas because you like you just you don't have much control in the air Mm -hmm. um and i was like struggling like with my health and struggling with my ammo um because i just was like i'm not doing anything and then i looked it up and it was like oh you're supposed to shoot the crystals first and i'm like i guess i could figure that out because he's getting like weird glowy shit to like come to him from those crystals but they're they they don't there's no health bar there's nothing like even when you shoot them that like you know you play like a game like you know uh i don't i don't have an example off the top of my head but you play another game and they might have these are cracking like things are falling away you know and we and we made it so that this is bright green on a brown background so you know that this is what i'm supposed to shoot you know where you put a health bar 
Uh, and this, it like doesn't have any of that. You know, yeah. that's why you get like big glowy bits in like a in like a Zelda game or a Metroid game or something. I, I think the only like lead into the crystals on the wall, like the knowledge that you're supposed to interact with them, is that if I'm remembering correctly, they look like the crystal from the very beginning of the yeah. game that incites the whole incident. Yeah. Um. So that's it's like maybe if you remember. That crystal you saw for two minutes, ten hours ago, uh, you could be like, oh, it's the same thing. I guess I'll try to interact with that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's not, uh, di- I mean, you could maybe phrase it as like, or frame it as like, it's it's maturely conveyed, I guess. Where like, <laughs> realistically conveyed. Uh, whereas, you know, in Zelda, when the boss has one big red eye and it's like, I wonder where I'm supposed to hit. You know, like it's. Sure. You, But it's not like fun in like it's not fun to go oh i i have to to shoot those things on the wall that yeah i I wouldn't have thought to shoot otherwise Uh uh-huh so yeah i didn't really enjoy the last boss but i think the 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 level up before the level before that is not as bad as people said it was yeah well i mean it's it's going for something you know like it's uh the whole game was a particular kind of way, and once you get to Zen, uh, I think gameplay change like there's more of an emphasis on platforming in that area probably than any other area yeah. of the game. Famously, the the remake Black Mesa, uh, made by fans, uh, had come out in like a quote early access state unquote. It was done mm-hmm. except for the Zen levels. Oh, so they had finished everything except for Zen. Um, so I always find that interesting because I think almost like they were having trouble figuring out how to make those levels interesting as well. Well, and it's, it's, I think it's interesting from the story perspective, but from the gameplay perspective, it's not as engaging, which is a really weird, like, tone to strike for the climax of your game yeah because i we could uh, transition to highlights because i do think that like there are really cool uh levels in this game there are ones that are stinkers like the <laughs> on a rail okay which we we alluded to can i can but I, there, are, there are ones that are great can we talk about on the rail real quick yeah i literally just have one thing to say about it go ahead I started that section, mm-hmm. I was on the rail, and then it became clear to me, once I got to the first platform, I was like, oh, I have to stop this rail, get off, get <laughs> back on, drive around, and I said, I'm not doing that, and I typed in no clip, and I just flew around <laughs> oh, the whole thing. No. I'm sorry, I did not want to, I was like, this will add an extra two hours to my playthrough, I'm it not is, fucking doing this. I really do not blame you, because that level is so bad. Like, I, man, it, I, you know, it's clear that like specific people worked on specific parts of this game, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and they probably had a team of people who were like, we want to have a rail. We want to have the alien planet. We want to have the Lambda core, right? And like that rail section is just a slog. <laughs> like you're just, you're starting, you're stopping it. You're like, you're going and flipping switches on different tracks and it is so easy to get lost and it's so easy to like get to points where 
you might hit a trap. Like, there will be parts where there's just mines in front of you, and you're like, I have to stop the thing, mm -hmm. then go and shoot a mine, go back to my car, and it's like, you, like, you think about, like, a minecart level in, like, Donkey Kong, and it's like, it's an action sequence. Yeah. And, like, this, I could imagine them being, like, it is an action sequence. Like, you're, you're riding this rail. Maybe in 98 it was awesome. Mm -hmm. But, like, today, it's like, oh, my God. Well, it's, what? it's, it's a, it's a lot of things compounding. Like, maybe it would have been fun to do the rail thing if it wasn't, like, kind of a maze. Um, yeah. And I get that they want to have, like, kind of puzzle-solving platforming with the progression of the rail. But it's just not fun to, like, get off, get on. Like, maybe if there was a remote aspect of, like, you could clear... If you could push a button and then I'm going to call the rail back to exactly, me. Exactly, That would yeah. be cool. I mean, you can stop it, but it's it's annoying to fucking do that. Well, and it's also annoying because if you push the button and then you get off because you see, like, a turret or an alien or a military guy up ahead, then you're like, oh, shit. Uh, I have to get off. And then if you get off, the rail doesn't stop. It just keeps going. And yeah, there are parts where like it might hit a, uh, what, what are they called? Like an arm uh, for a railroad track or whatever. Um, and it'll stop it. But if there's not one there, it'll just keep going. Well, you can stop it like on your own. Yeah, but like if it's if it's gone and it, it you get off of it and it's just going. Yeah, the, that's the, what I mean. That was when I did no clip. Was I, I was like, oh, let me get off, and I got off, and I didn't realize that I had to stop it and then get off. Yep. I just got off and it went away, and I was like, oh, okay, well I'll do this, and I did the little pat platform I was on, and I was like, I just have to wait for this fucking thing, and then I uh, looked ahead. I was like, can I walk on the rails and go get it? And I, it was shocking me. I was like, okay, can't do that. And I looked ahead and I saw that the tunnel went down like another like 100 feet. I was like, no, no clip. And I just flew around. Um, but but on top of that too, it's not like engaging to look at either. The visuals in that area are just so... They're very plain. It, it's just dull, which is saying something because the rest of the game takes place in a government compound with concrete walls. But because of like the tunnel aesthetic and like the dark shadows and just the flat platforms with aliens just placed on top of them. Yeah. It's just not fun and engaging to look at, especially compared to the rest of the game. Yeah. And I love like the opening of this game. I think the opening of this game is brilliant where you're like, you get this opening level where you're just riding a train and the credits play and you yeah. get to see all of the facility and you get to see like the weird government, secret bullshit that they're probably working on and you're like oh okay like look at uh, like like g men like the 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 word g men you know you could tell that people like might be g men that work here you mm -hmm. know or uh you know i love like that it's just you just you texted me i remember when you were started this you're like i like that this is a guy just having a regular day at the yeah. office like he's just like Yep, another day. Like mm -hmm. it's not like in, uh, in, uh, control where like Jesse Faden comes in. And she's like, something is wrong. I'm here to find out what happened. Yeah. Uh, or Dead Space, where it's you know the same thing. It's like you go to this area and you're like, oh fuck! Like I started the apocalypse essentially. <laughs> you know. Because, like, even Bioshock doesn't do that, like, Infinite, either. Yeah. Like, Infinite is, like, I'm coming to a place as an outsider. Like, 
Gordon Freeman, for all intents and purposes, is familiar with this place. The player isn't, but like Gordon Freeman should be, mm-hmm. right? Well, and I found that cool. It's the classic hero's journey, like like you said, Bioshock, Control, um, whatever uh, Dead Space. I have a million other games. Uh, you, the player, are playing someone that is inserting themselves into a situation. They're like yeah. inserting themselves into an adventure, right? But uh, Gordon Freeman has a call to action. Like, he's thrust into an adventure. Yeah. That makes it more exciting um, when the adventure comes about. And the first part of this game, you know, it's it's just, like, really interesting to see the mundane uh, side of some of uh, a setting like this you know yeah like people talk about like there was a there's a bathroom in this yeah like there's there's like showers like people go like here's my locker Mm -hmm. you know the attention to detail but that that's all really cool like you can go and open up gordon freeman's locker and like get extra hev like energy yeah that's cool it's all conveyed to you visually too like it's it is a it's probably maybe the best opening to a video game like ever i i mean if not the best it's definitely in my like i really like the opening of dead space personally sure it is like that game is so much more like on a rail but i like that opening of dead space of like the the necromorph chasing you through the elevator and then like opening it and then its arm gets cut off as it like uh, as uh, the door closes on it like that i'm like ooh, (laughs) like perfect but like up after that point it's like we are in video game town now, yeah. right? Where they're like, shoot the limbs, and you grab like the the plasma cutter and whatever. But this game is very much like this. Still feels like this is a video game, but like this could still be like somebody's day to day, where like stuff is like collapsing. Like there's people doing like chest compressions and like yeah. scientists. We're oh. like, oh fuck, I love it. And it, it, even you know, uh, you mentioned in Dead Space, it's it's like. Uh, here's the tone of the game, right? Like, this is a horror game. It, it, there's tension throughout, but when you hit that first uh, necromorph, it's like, whoa, this is the game. This is fucking scary. What I loved about the Half-Life opening was the tone at the beginning is not like that. It's You don't get the tone of the game until uh, probably the first time you see a head crab. You know, like yeah, like because they get like teleported in. You're like, oh shit. Yeah, that's what the game is. That's when you say, oh, this is like a, a sci-fi uh, escape horror game. You know, like up until that point, the tone is uh, mundane, neutral. There's a little bit of tension with like technology going wrong. Um, but it's it's like, it, it's so like interesting. I don't know how, how they pulled it off, but just something about the way that you're walking around this facility, the way that everybody's talking, the way that every all the scientists are greeting you. They're saying like, hey, Freeman. You know, what's up? Good to see you. And they're, like, talking about, like, I lost my snacks in the snack machine. Like, it's <laughs> it's just so, like, benign. And it feels quaint because, it, it, like, a lot of times you play video games now and it's like, I'm going to be the soldier guy who comes in Yeah. to the story. And I, I they always got to make you, like, a badass at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, like I, I, like, I like that this is just more quiet. Even, like, Bioshock Infinite is, like... Booker is like coming in and he's like snooty about everything. Like he's like, look at this yeah. fucking fair. Some world. And like right. it would be interesting if, if you got that from a perspective of just 
somebody who was like, I'm just going about my day in the world. Yeah. Like, look at this cool fair. Like, let me greet you as a friend. You know? I, I think that's why um, you, you're rooting for Gordon, even though he's not like a character. Yeah. Because you just self-insert whatever it is you self-insert into it, you know? Like, he's just walking around and keeping to himself and doing his job. Like, what's not to like about that? Yeah. And I, I like, when you walk around and you look at, uh, like, all the scientists and stuff, you assign whatever you want to them. Like, um, I heard someone say one time, um, I, I was watching, uh, like, a dude give, like, sort of a presentation. And in the presentation, he was drawing on, like, a big easel. Um, uh, or no, it, one guy was talking, one guy was drawing on an easel. And I promise I'm getting somewhere. Okay. Uh, but one dude was talking about one subject, and behind him there was a dude drawing with a big easel, right? And after the presentation, I was talking to them, and I was like, why did you do it like that? And um, the guy was like, because when you watch something being created, you have a conversation with yourself about the creation of that thing. As you're watching someone draw on the easel, you're thinking about, like, what are they drawing? Like, where, where is this going? You know, uh, and you're asking yourself, like, what do I think they're drawing? I think it's that. So you're, you're talking to yourself. And when you play the opening of Half-Life, you're, like, watching this world or this environment, like, unfold in front of you. You're watching these scientists just walk around and do stuff. And it kind of creates a conversation with yourself where you're thinking, like, what is this? Where am I? What are they doing? Who's this guy? And you're surprised by, you know, kind of funny lines, kind of mundane lines, kind of some intrigue, some sci-fi technology, uh, some story tension of, like, technology is on the fritz today. Um, so it's a, it does a really good job of just engaging you without you even realizing it. Yeah. You know, it's it's just so, it's it's really tasty. It's a big bowl of delicious uh, narrative spaghetti. And I, yeah. really, I really liked it. And other than that, like the other levels that I like, I like like the office complex level where you're, you're just exploring the offices and it's very cramped and you get a lot of like the, the horror aspects of the game where like yeah. the head crab zombies will go, will be like around corners or like underneath stairs and like your flashlight is not like a good flashlight where you can't see everything with it. Um, so you might like look under the stairs and you might be like, oh, there's a health pack here. And then like a head crab zombie will like be in a corner that you didn't quite spot. And then you get hit by somebody. Uh, and then you, you're like leading around the scientists to different areas, or you might lead like a security officer somewhere. Uh, and he might help you out because there are scientists and security officers and they can like open specific doors for you and like heal you or like give you ammo or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, that's pretty much their only purpose. They don't do anything else really. They die and you feel yeah, bad. you feel bad. Um, otherwise, like I was like, this is like super interesting level of just uh, it, what would happen again, like in control if just corporate conspiracy goes wrong yeah. like people reached for the sky and they like got too far yeah They're, you know or they got too close not too far it's it's an icarus story yeah we're, um, we're, or like a jurassic park kind mm -hmm. of thing you know uh you spent so much time asking whether or not you could you didn't ask whether or not you should you yeah know? um and that's cool i really like the i don't really like any of the i don't like the side like the the soldiers in this game like because they're they they're interesting to fight like some of them you talking about the side the alien soldiers or no, the, military? the soldiers the okay. military the so uh a lot of people have said like these are like super really super fun to fight even today 
because they'll like talk on the radio and they'll be like Gert Freeman or they'll be like grenade when they're gonna like throw out a grenade or when like hit one hits like near you um or near them I mean uh and they like do specific things like they'll flank you or they'll they'll uh they actually the AI I think in that uh documentary they say like they won't reload and talk at the same time they, they won't move and talk at the same they don't do two things at once yeah so. which is really interesting um so like the ai is is interesting but i think there's just a bit too much of them whereas i'd rather face like the vortigaunts more hmm. i just found them a little bit more interesting to fight like after a while the soldiers just became soldiers well, um and but their intro is cool yeah, their their intro is awesome. There's a couple cool moments with them, like presentation wise. I did like I like the part where you're like bombing, um, like the the different areas on that map. Like the guys like pull out. Yeah, and but you can fire some mortars if you want first. Yeah, yeah, which is <laughs> cool, and you can use it to like kill a giant like alien monster. Yeah, I I liked um. Really, the the sense of progression with the military and their role, and how it reflected the aliens and their role. Um, you know, you mentioned like um, there's a couple of cool moments with the military. One one that I liked a lot was uh, you go around the corner of just like a random hallway, and there's two military dudes shooting at like the big um, like gen- genetically modified like soldier alien. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a moment where the game just like, here's the thing, just look at this now. Yeah. Um, so th- there's some cool moments with, uh, there's another cool, cool moment where a military guy, there's like a crack in the wall and there's a dead body on the floor and then the dead body just gets like pulled into the crack in the wall. Yeah. That was really cool and memorable. Um, as, as far as like, did they, did I get sick of fighting them? Uh, yeah, totally. Um, and I agree with what you're saying. Like at first it was novel to think of like. Uh, this AI is they're they're not just like bum rushing me like a lot of first person shooters can kind uh-huh. of do, um like um uh, maybe something like Doom would do where it's just like here's enemies you know figure it out. It was cool to be like I can hide, I can pull out a different weapon, and I can shoot that guy, and then place a mine, and then move around and uh, try to lure a military guy over there. Um, but at the end of the day, they're just human combatants, and I think that's what gets boring about them yeah with the the aliens it's just cool to watch them walk around at all let alone fight them yeah and there's cool stuff with like the military you talked about the progression of like the invasion mm-hmm. like from them being foot soldiers and seeing like then later on they get a helicopter uh and then you see the like aliens dimensional beings they have their own like fighters stingrays that like Mm -hmm. come in and drop their soldiers yeah and then you know over time you get like into that like science facility and like then it's like all aliens that you're fighting because the the soldiers are like pulling out it's like and i like that they are uh fighting each other that's something that like for instance you haven't played the last of us but the last of us the first one the uh, zombies never interact with the humans. Oh. Uh, they only interact with the humans in the DLC for the first one and in the uh, second game. So it's cool that like in 98, they were like, we should get these guys to interact with each other because it would be fun yeah. to watch uh, like Vortigaunt zap uh, some soldiers or 
like the the soldiers shoot like bees yeah it's a bee gun yeah yeah uh, and uh you know that's that's really cool to 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 see back in in 98 and it's not really something that feels like it's done today no and it makes the game feel so much more like of a it makes it feel like you're in a real world the fact that you are just passing through this skirmish between aliens and military and you're not on either side it just makes it so much more immersive to be like wow yeah they probably would be fighting if they were if this was really going on yeah and they could have had separate levels that were like this is where you fight aliens this is where you fight soldiers and yeah. they didn't and that's mm-hmm. cool and it it really adds to like what we were saying earlier like the sort of x-files presentation sorry sort of X-Files presentation <laughs> uh, mentality of it, where, like, you don't quite know everything that's going on. Um, so you're you're a tiny thing in this larger scope, right? Like, you are not the important player here. There's the military and there's the aliens, and you're just somewhere in the middle. Well, you are important for a, for some time, right. where they're, like, writing, they're, like, misspelling your name. They're, like... Uh, kill free man. Yeah, and it's like F R E M E N, and you're like, what? Uh. <laughs> it it was that part was interesting. Like the military soldiers like make graffiti to intimidate you and kill you because I, which was interesting to learn. Like I've become, I've been in this situation long enough, and I've killed enough soldiers that they now know who I am. Yeah, that was cool to be like, oh, I'm getting a bit of a reputation. Yeah, it's really funny though because they're just like misspelling stuff in the graffiti. It's probably written like hastily or just because the developers thought it'd be funny well it's it's just i wasn't expecting it i was like how long have i been here when i've met the military it feels like it's only been like three hours and they're already like so devoted to not liking me uh it it was unexpected and interesting what Um, did you think of the other one that i wanted to ask you about because there's not a ton of other highlights uh but the other one that i wanted to ask you about was uh the blast pit the one where you first see the tentacles? Yeah. What did you think about that? Uh, I really... I don't mean to sound like a broken record. I really love the presentation of that. Like, when you're walking up to the blast pit, because it's taking place in this big silo, you just hear, like, banging. And you're, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, something's going on. And you walk in, and big tentacles come out. And you go, whoa! Cause yeah, I think bo- a scientist gets, like, grabbed by one. Yeah, yeah. It busts through the little command center. And, and that's goes, so Help cool. me, Gordon! Like, especially in, like, in, like, 98, where, like, Doom was just, like, all right, you, like, shoot a thing, and whatever, and this was, like, it's an event, like, mm-hmm. here's the tentacle, Yeah, it was, like, whoa! That's what I'm saying, this game's presentation is so good, like, there's no cutscenes, but there's so many moments and scenes that are clearly laid out for you, it's yeah. so awesome. Um, yeah, that moment was cool, and the realization that I now have to fight this thing... Or, like, navigate around it in some way. At first, I just unloaded all my ammo on it. And I was like, it's not dying, it's not dying, it's not dying. And then I realized you have to sneak. Um, I think it was really cool. But it wasn't particularly fun to, like, lure it with grenades and sneak around. It is interesting that they give you a bunch of grenades. And it's very clear. Like, even when I played it the first time, I was like, I have to throw these grenades. I thought it would just, like... I didn't think about the sound because it's like tapping on mm-hmm. like the 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 blast pit itself to like try to figure out where people are and probably using like sonar or whatever blah mm-hmm. blah and the using the grenades to project the sound. I always thought that it was just like 
me using it like explosions distract people because they're bright and loud. I didn't even think about the fact that they're loud, really. Yeah. <laughs> I was it's just like, video game logic. Yeah, just video game logic. But it's like cool that they like designed this creature to like react to sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's unique and um, it it varies up the gameplay. Um, like I said, I didn't think it was particularly like this is so fun, but it was a really neat moment. It was to, novel. It was novel for sure. It was definitely novel. Um, to that point, I saw someone say online like a piece of advice before playing uh, Half Life: uh, You are not Doom guy. You are Gordon Freeman. You're a theoretical physicist, and you should play the game like you're a theoretical physicist. Which is, I think, applies to this moment in the game because Doom Guy would have grabbed the tentacles and ripped them apart, or like you know, shot the shit out of them or something. But Gordon Freeman, uh, the the game has you using sort of ingenuity to get through a threat that you can't overcome. You know, uh, and how do you kill the? Um... You get fuel and like another, like you start up like a generator. And then you start up, like, the fuel pumps, uh, and then you get, like, it, the rocket in that area to go off. That's right. Because it's a blast pit. Like, it's supposed to be just where they sh- throw off, or, like, make explosives go off, or right. a rocket, or whatever. And it's really funny. We talked about, like, the, the like, scientists and the security guards are pretty useless. Uh, they're, like, scientists and security guards in that area. Uh, and none of them take cover, and if you, like, just leave them outside, like, when the blast, like, happens, because you're just frying this thing Mm -hmm. with flame, like, those (laughs) scientists and and soldiers are just dead, and it's really funny, like, especially because you can even, like, shoot scientists, you can shoot soldiers, like, nobody will yell at you, you won't get a game over. Yeah. But, like, if you shoot a security guard on the accident, they'll, like, start shooting you if you, like shoot a scientist they'll like run away it's yeah. really funny i think they say like no please yeah or like have mercy or something uh the the scientists are just so fucking funny they have the nerdiest voice <laughs> they have the nerdiest voice they're in they're all in lab coats and they either look like baxter stockman or like albert einstein uh-huh. or just like somebody's woodshop teacher or something yeah like they're they're just these nerd ass nerds and they have these compressed 90s ass audio files. Uh-huh. It's it's so charming to just fuck with them or watch them. Uh that was one of the like hello Gordon, please <laughs> help me. <laughs> uh, yeah, Gordon, please this way. Uh and they they all have the same voice, which it's like it's like I'm interacting with the same character. It is every really time. funny the fact that they all have the same voice. Yeah. I get why and you know, technically it makes sense. And the security guards is funny too, like them having all the same voice where they're just like uh, all right, uh, I'll follow you. And they're like, they, they won't be able to take us on. They won't see us coming. Yeah. And then they'll like get killed like <laughs> instantaneously. Yeah, it's, or like uh, they'll be shooting at an alien. Of like, all right, got one. And then another alien comes up and goes like, Bruh! and kills him. <laughs> or uh, what was I was walking by like a dead corpse. Like I'm gonna hang that on my trophy room wall. He, he and you're says, like, like, what the fuck are like, you talking like about? Like you're just like uh, uh, shooting the shit at the bar or something. He's like, whew, what a day. He's <laughs> like, I'm the I'm the most badass kid ever. It's like, look, you're not making it out here. If your name isn't Barney, 
you're not making it out of this one. <laughs> and then they say stuff like that, and then they walk into one of the hanging traps that yeah. lifts them up and eats them. And it's the like, barnacles? Oh. Yeah, the, the barnacle things. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite moments, not one of my favorite, but something that like genuinely I was not expecting and made me laugh, uh, towards the beginning of the game, uh, you're just walking around and there's a dumpster, and you walk up to the dumpster and you hear like a noise or something, and then a scientist yeah, pokes he his head out. out. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm not coming out. This is my safe space or whatever. And you're like, all right, have fun dying. <laughs> yeah, it's, and then you just leave him. It's so funny. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was cool. Um, I like the scientists a lot. Yeah. It's, it's super super charming. Yeah. The other thing, because we haven't really talked about like the weapons or like the enemies, like in general, like we've done in the past with other stuff. Uh, but I I really like that this game just gives you a fucking insane aim assist it's just like hey do you want to just lock on to every enemy and i'm like sure <laughs> okay thank you of course you like you you mouse your like there's a there's a sequence where i'm like going down an elevator shaft and it's a really long elevator shaft and there's just head crabs like falling on you mm-hmm. and i just like pointed my pistol up at like the sky and like i would see my cursor move and then i would just start shooting because it would just, like, I could put it in the center of the screen and it would, it would jump, like, a third of the screen to the left or right and just be like, hey, I'm shooting a head crab now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hilarious. I, I think that's, like, really warranted for a, a game with a, a 1998 PC game with a mouse, though. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. like, head crabs are pretty small at certain mm-hmm. points in the game. They are kind of hard to hit, or they would be uh, with without an aim assist. Yeah, because otherwise I, I feel like sometimes the the like enemies take too many bullets so if i was missing shots i'd be kind of mad yeah and uh i think there's a good amount of ammo throughout the game but you you can run out like certain guns yeah i felt like at the end i was running out out for certain stuff it was giving you like a lot of energy stuff with like the beam weapons but i wasn't getting like assault rifle ammo and i was like i just need a assault rifle ammo this beam ammo is very good but uh it doesn't it can't you know, I just need that extra kick of like this. Right? Yeah, the well, rifle feels good, and you don't want to use the beam gun for a head crab. Yeah, you know, like you you just need something to dispose of that stuff real quick. Yeah. Um, what did you think? I I really loved the weapon system as progression. I I thought the pace at which weapons were doled out, especially in the first like third of the game, uh, was a really good incentive to keep playing. A nice reward. Uh, you get the crowbar, and the game takes you through like a nice slow area with one or two headcrab zombies. And then at the end of that area, you get the pistol. So now you've got a little more power, and it kind of continues from there. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I I thought it was good. Like yeah. it's, it's well done. It, it, it again, it feels like, hey, like we we tested this. We didn't mm-hmm. just go in and say like, hey, you're gonna get like a wrench, and then the wrench is gonna be used on these enemies and you're gonna get a plasmid for whatever um what game are you referring to i don't know what game am i referring to <laughs> um but i i felt like yeah the the uh inventory uh sweep of weapons was very sweet of weapons was very good yeah and i think that culminated with the helicopter um scene later in the game because the first time you encounter a helicopter you just run away. Like, you can't take it down. Yeah. But then later in the game, there's another helicopter, and you've got a heat-seeking missile launcher, and it's like, got it. 
and like it, fuck you. It makes you feel so powerful. It's like this thing that I couldn't even face in the beginning yep. of the game. Fuck you, you're dead. Yeah. Uh, and I felt like a god. <laughs> I felt like I got him. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was cool. Um, what did you think of like the the the, the crossbow? What did you think of falling into the water with the, the evil alien shark? Uh, that was fucking scary. Um, <laughs> I was swimming, and then this fucking alien shark starts eating me, and I panicked. And uh, I couldn't make it out of that fucking cage because I didn't know where the hole was. Sure. I died first because I was like, where am I supposed to go? On this playthrough? Yeah, I was like, where am I supposed to go? It, what am I supposed to do on this shark? Dude, I just, you know what? Since we're talking about it, I went, like, the water levels in general, they were fine. But I wasn't, like, stoked on them. There's a lot of water in this game, and even in 2. And, like, none of it's fun. I remember the, the, <laughs> the residue processing, like, level where it was like, here's where all the garbage goes. And I was yeah. like, ah, oh, fuck. I remember that level getting lost so many times and, like, falling off of conveyor belts. And, like, mm -hmm. there's, like, switches that you have to press to, like, get, uh, like, smashers to stop and stuff. And I was like, this is not fun. Yeah. Like, and, the like, I... I don't know. I the game tries a lot with with some of those levels, and some of the levels really hit. Like where, you know, with blast process, uh, uh, blast processing, where it's like, hey, like this level, even if you don't like the sequence of having to do a slow sneaking mission around a tentacle monster, it's like this is a highlight. Like there's yeah. nothing else like this in the game. Mm -hmm. It's it's a story. Um, beat it's a it's a set piece beat um, where I think some of the weaker levels the set pieces don't hit as hard like that shark in the water bit it is kind of a set piece you know like it's, yeah but it's it's just like there's, there's a scientist who's like we've we set up the 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 tranquilizer gun but it's not seeming to work on the alien shark so we stopped shooting it or whatever and I'm like <laughs> you didn't fucking keep shooting it because it <laughs> dies from the thing yeah you you didn't think to to just kill it in general just keep shooting it with the tranquilizer gun eventually yeah and they didn't that that part was scary because there was just the one shark like uh you would attack it and it would kind of go away and then it would circle back what did you think of the sound because we can do that because the sound of the shark is really funny because it sounds like like bit crush, like well, dude, there's a lot of enemies like that, and I loved it. Like to answer your question, the I sound is it. great. I love yeah. the sound, the iconic. I you, I don't think you'd ever heard the HEV suit sound before because I don't know if it's in two. It is. It yeah, is. Okay. I recognized it, but, but no, I love the HEV like voice and stuff. It's a woman's voice who's just like, uh, health at twenty five percent. Seek medical attention immediately and you're like this is the most pleasant way of telling me i'm almost dead yeah. it was such it's a really good uh it's like the precursor to glados's voice from mm -hmm. portal uh but it's it's very charming and uh it, i love the compressed audio files and i i think it sounds the exact same in half-life 2 mm. which is cool because it's like it wasn't a limitation of 1998 it was like the suit was designed to sound that way in world yeah. And I like, uh, I love the way the Vortigons sound where they're like, and Dude, they, like yeah. they like shoot out like weird, like the lightning is like, yeah. and you're like, okay, no, this I, is cool. I love the little dog things with the eyes mm -hmm. when they're like charging up to attack you. 
it, it goes like it's it sounds so like compressed and mechanical and cool uh, i loved all the sound designs in this yeah game. i love the like the like weird like tentacle dogs that like shoot snot at you and yeah. it sounds like snot mm-hmm. e- even when you kill the barnacles on the ceiling they drop like guts out and it sounds like like it's it's just yeah. it, it's gross Those like tentacle dogs like whine when they die yeah it, it's the theme that we're getting at with this game is it's a lot of good decisions like on the de- the side of the game developers. the world is well realized mm-hmm. is what we're saying it's it's really really good um i i uh one thing that i uh really liked about the game was um the i i kept drawing parallels between the military and the uh aliens because um both the military and the aliens were unintentionally summoned by gordon when the experiment went wrong um they like we were just talking about sound design the uh what's the name of the electric guys the vorcha or the vortigons the vortigons um their like chatter their noises it sounds like the military's chatter like when the Mm. vortigons talk they're like and when the military talks it's like you can't really understand what they're saying you kind of can yeah but it's like there, there's that parallel where there's there's just like indistinct chatter, and then they fight each other too. Uh, like the the aliens and the military will will fight not just you but uh, each other. You mentioned the military has jets. The aliens have the stingrays. Uh, you know, the military has their grunts and their specialized weapons, and so does the aliens. And I I thought I think that's why the reveal of the factory at the end was really interesting to me because it was like it really drove the point home of like the military and the aliens are really similar to the point where the aliens literally have a a soldier factory you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. they're creating soldiers um and it just made me like my interpretation of that was maybe uh the united states government or black mesa or whatever had some kind of prior contact with the aliens. Oh well, they did because well, they're they're in the. Like, yeah, they they did. I, I I mean, uh, the contact that they had, the aliens took like, like humans showed them how to build a factory or something. Mm, okay, you know what I mean. Um, so it was like a weird parallel where the military, and then at the end, the soldiers that you're fighting, like the alien soldiers, they're like a fusion of both human and alien, right? They're soldier-esque, like a, a foot soldier, but they have this alien look and this alien technology. Um, so it, it almost, to me, seems like the game is trying to draw a parallel between, uh, like, there's humans and there's non-humans, or there's, like, the familiar and the unfamiliar, and uh, either one of them can be an opposing force, or they're fighting each other, you know, like, a, <laughs> I, you know, a, a, very obvious, I know, but uh, it's it's just... It was really interesting the parallels between the aliens and the people. Did you? Did you? Would you say there's a blue shift in the? <laughs> is that what the expansion is called? The, the expansion is called opposing force. I made a there face for those of you at home there when he said opposing force. I was like, oh my god! But yeah, it, it just seemed like that was the underlying theme of the game to me. Did yeah. you? Did you? What would you say was an underlying theme that you picked up? I don't know because I don't know that this game has very many themes other than just like horror and like weird government conspiracy nonsense sure 
Because I, I didn't pick up on the soldier stuff at all. Well, I mean, that's just me assigning that to the I don't, game. I don't, I literally do not think you're wrong. I think you're, I think you're right on the money because of stuff in two and just in general, like what happened. So I, you sure. know, I'm, I'm like, oh, you, you got this right. And I was like, playing it like, doody do do. I'm shooting the aliens because <laughs> the they're bad. Well, then just for about the themes, I'll finish it with this question. What do you think the Nihilanth is? Uh, I think it's an extra-dimensional being that's going to invade uh, other worlds. Okay. Which is basically what it is. Why do you think that it makes a point to tell you that it's the last one, then? I have no idea. And it's the la- a last boss. <laughs> it's, the, it's them telling <laughs> I'm you. the last boss of the game. That's what he should have said. I'm a creepy boss. Did you ever play... Uh, I'm not going to go into it. There's, there's a, <laughs> I'm not going to go on a tangent. There's a... Go play the demo for Bulletstorm. Oh, I want to play Bulletstorm on this podcast. The demo is really funny. You can download it. It's like probably freeware out somewhere. That's it's an... like the one where, they, where they're like, uh, I am an enemy and I am falling from the sky. And it's just <laughs> like a guy like literally like falling from like this guy on a parachute and it looks like a fucking 90s game it looks like shit it's very funny <laughs> i well, yeah i definitely want to play that game i remember not to i'll say this and then done with the Bulletstorm tangent i was at gamestop like uh five months after Bulletstorm came out and uh i saw it on the shelf for like ten dollars i was like that's hilarious. that's really sad yeah because that uh, game's good well we should play it um but you know what that that was i just wanted to touch on that little point what was there any like uh, I really liked that about Half-Life. I liked drawing the parallels. I liked interpreting things. What didn't we like about the game? Because it's not a perfect game, like we've been saying. Uh, we've kind of been going over everything that I didn't uh, like, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, I haven't. I didn't really like like the, uh, the like fighting soldiers. I felt like that got dull after a while. Mm. Um, uh, and I didn't like fighting the Nylanth, uh, but. Otherwise, I mean, the, most of their stuff, I, I, it was weird nitpicks. Like, I didn't like that you couldn't run. Like, the, the default is run, I mean. I didn't like that the default was run. I thought it would be nicer to have it be walk, but it makes sense on paper. Because uh, you need to be able to, like, run around the, uh, the soldiers. And if you're holding shift all the time, it might get annoying. But well, I, I kind of wanted, like, a toggle. Half-Life 2, you have the option to run if you want. Like, you yeah. Can, that, I think that probably works a little bit better. Yeah. Um, especially for this game with parts that have such an emphasis on platforming. Yeah. Um, it would have been nice to have some movement options. It's just a nitpick, but it's it's not that bad. Yeah. Um, and then I, I just didn't like some of the platforming. Some of it. Like, I think that most of it is still pretty good. But, like, again, some of the stuff, like, near the end with Zen, it's like, okay, like, this... This has not aged well. Like, first-person platforming has come a long way. I think first-person plat- platforming, it's interesting how much less emphasis there are, is on platforming in first-person games. Oh, there's, like, none of it really left. I mean, if you if you have it, a lot of times you have a dedicated system to it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, Dying Light has its parkour and Mirror's Edge does, too, because it's all parkour, you right. know. Um, but otherwise, like, just, like, having first-person f- platforming in like 98 it's good but it's not like great like you can see how it can get frustrating but by just being like hey i can just save everywhere it's like not the worst thing ever yeah you know i, I think 
this is an interesting case because number one, this is a very beloved game. It's a very replayed game. Uh, people like speedrun the fuck out of this game. It's oh yeah, crazy. This is a game in my like looking online. People apparently play like thirty times over. Like oh yeah. So as far as the platforming goes, uh, this is a game that seems idyllic for like a flow state, so to speak, mm-hmm. where you can really just like go through and pixel perfect jump and shoot and do all that stuff. I mean, if you play Doom 2016, you can see how this led to Doom 2016 because the the movement is like exactly the same. Oh, cool. Uh, I mean, there's like different stuff in like Doom Eternal with like like bars that you can swing on and stuff, but otherwise like the original 2016 of just like I'm moving around an environment and just like jumping over shit and moving as fast as humanly possible, that's from these games, like the 90s shooters. It's just, games do not move at the pace that, like, Half-Life 1 does anymore. You haul ass as, as Gordon Freeman. Yeah, really. You do not haul ass as, like, Jesse Faden in, in <laughs> Control. Yeah, why is that? Like, I, I would be very curious to track the de-emphasis of hauling ass across first-person I shooters. I don't know why it is in first-person person shooters but like definitely in third person it's just i think because uh visual fidelity like animating like somebody just like moving really fluidly in like the air might be difficult like in uh spider-man uh he moves when he's swinging like maybe like i think like 65 75 miles per hour i think is what they've calculated or something Mm. um and that's pretty hauling ass. Like you, you, you move fast as as Peter Parker and Miles Morales. But like in in this game, it's like or in other third person games, you just I I just don't think it's a priority because you you want the player to be able to read the environment and how their character's moving. Sure, but you can read the environment. Well, I guess yeah, how their character's moving is the key there because you're not seeing Gordon Freeman moving. Yeah. So it doesn't feel You're just a weird. camera. You're just an orb. Yeah, basically, for all intents and purposes. Yeah, I can't imagine, like, a game, yeah, like Control, where even in Control, where the fluid is pretty, or uh, the movement is pretty fluid, like, you have a lot of movement options. Yeah. Um, yeah, it would be weird to, to see a character, like, parkouring off of stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, I think you're right on the money there. I'd be very curious to see um, how a game could be made that addresses that. Yeah, and then otherwise, the only other thing that I didn't really like is the surface stuff. Um, I I just don't think it holds up as well as the office facility stuff. I think the office is like really really cool. Yeah, like, and agreed. the surface when you get to it, it is really cool because it's an event and you like keep going like onto the surface and there are like scientists that are like we have to get to the surface like go there and then like they're like screaming at you to like get there and then the first time you make it up there, it's like. You have to launch, like, a rocket into space. Yeah. Uh, and then you, like, go back into the facility. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go back up, and then you have to, like, go back into the facility. And you do that a couple times. Um, and then, like, when you finally open up those big doors to, like, get out, it's like, I've made it, and it's, like, sunny, and there's, like, uh, all these Mesa Vistas everywhere. Um, but it, it's just, it's not as interesting. I think probably, like you said, with, like, the textures... They kind of all just blend together. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, I think I, I think it just gets more uninteresting because you don't get to like explore a weird 
facility anymore. The last place you're exploring is the um, the place where they have all the aliens like imprisoned. Yeah, so, and that was cool. And like you go back in to go to the Lambda complex, but otherwise it's like, oh, like I made it onto the surface to escape, and that's it. Like I'm trying to escape. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's just the real world is yeah. just like what it is, you know. And like you said, the textures aren't interesting, and it's just desert. There's nothing interesting to look at in a desert. It's just a bunch of sand uh, or a bunch of dirt or hillsides or whatever. Yeah. Um, maybe if it would have been like a lush green forest that you stepped out into, it would have been a little more visually interesting. Um, I think also it just represents like that first time you get to the surface um, when I think the first time you get there is for the helicopter fight, right? No, you shoot that like that like rocket satellite thing to like get like a portal smashed i don't remember doesn't the helicopter fight come first like you pop out on the surface the helicopter and then you run away no you come out on the surface first uh to go uh at like night and then yeah you go and and there's like a couple scientists who are talking if you go look on the left there's like a, a sniper in like a perch if you go to like a health pack he'll like shoot you um I just, I have this in my brain because my brain is dumb. Uh, and then, like, you go forward, you open up, like, another door, and there's, like, the rocket, like, part down in the ground. And then sure. you have to, like, go down, like, go around, like, a bunch of stuff to, like, go and launch it. I think that's what I'm talking about. I hope. Well, uh, it's, it's this, I guess either way, it's just, like, interesting because the surface is a goal that you're trying to get to. In the same way that, like, finding the military was a goal that you're trying to get to. But when you find the military, um, the military itself becomes, like, a story twist where they start uh-huh. killing people. When you get to the surface, that there's no, like, further development there. Mm-hmm. You just get to the surface and it's like, okay, now go back underground. And it's like, okay, what was the point of, of that? You know, like, yeah. I think that just presents it kind of drably. It feels like, like, when you play, like, the Stanley Parable and they say like you know you go to the surface um and then like in that game spoilers for the stanley parable go play it um but when in that game when you finally like make it to the surface it kind of just like cuts but then if you're fucking with the game and you like start to go outside of the environments then it's like oh like this feels like interesting like the stanley parable knows when it's like the it's making fun of like get to the surface Mm -hmm. stories and Mm -hmm. like escape stories and escaping the mundane portal and halfway uh yeah and like this uh felt like in stanley parable where it's just like it just cuts and like i feel like if you made this today you would be like you made it to the surface cut hmm. you know hmm. i i don't know yeah i think because it's just not as interesting well and and maybe it is a product of product of its time a little bit too because um like you get to the surface and you just like the graphics convey to you that there's nothing like out there, you know? Yeah. Like, like where there's no parking lot. Yeah. There's not even any like horizon textures. It's just kind of like a dome yeah. and some dirt where like, if it was the end of the game, like you're saying, get to the surface at the end they there could have been a bit more emphasis on like let's really animate it to be like really far out visually so it looks like you're entering this like breadth of expansion and stuff 
but here you get to the surface and there's clearly like a fence, like an invisible wall around Was you. it Portal 2 that like you make it to the quote like surface at one point and then it like closes a door on you? You make it to the surface, spoilers for Portal 2, you make it to the surface and you're in like a field of like tall grass and like dirt. Like it's not the most amazing I visual. I thought there was a part where like GLaDOS is like, Hey, look at the surface. It's here in front of you. I'm taking it away. And Portal 2? Maybe I th- I'm wrong. Th- uh, I th- well, I know the ending of Portal 2. You get to the surface, and it's like grass, and then uh, the companion cube is sent up, and then the door closes. Yeah. Um, but maybe there's another part in the uh, earlier portion of the game. I think right when you swap Wheatley with GLaDOS... Wheatley is like, I control the whole place. Now let's get you out of here. And then That's he what I shows, think I'm remembering. Yeah, he shows the surface. And then he says, or we could do this. And then the, he pulls you back in. I think that is... I think that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I feel like like that is smarter. Like they learned the lesson of like... One, they couldn't actually do like portals outside. That would be weird. <laughs> um, but, you know, like the facility is interesting. Mm-hmm. The surface is not interesting. Sure, sure. You know? Yeah, I I would agree with that, and and when in as far as how that applies to Half Life, yeah, you get to the surface, and from a story perspective, you're like, okay, cool, the surface, but nothing really comes about in an interesting yeah. way. Yeah, uh, it just kind of. I feel like that's where the game kind of like halts hmm. for me, like when I go to the surface. Like I like I remember playing it. And I did a long session. I played for like seven eight hours where I just like beat it. Um, cause I was like, I just, I want to get through with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the surface was where I was like, I want a break. <laughs> I was like, just push through it. Just go yeah. through it. You this know? is dragging. Yeah. Uh, what did, I mean, the, the interesting thing too, is the rocket part. It doesn't really come back into play. No. It's just more of like, take what, from what you want. So in theory, that whole section could be cut out. It's not, like, important to I don't stuff. Know. I thought that was cool because, you know, you make it on the surface. You're like, I feel like I'm, uh, like, I'm making it somewhere. And then they, like, snatch it out from under you. That's cool. Yeah. I sure. like that. Sure. I like that element, too. But I, I guess certain parts of this game feel like, um, not padding. That's too negative of a word. But it feels like a detraction from, or like a stop what you're doing. And now do this thing and then get back to what you're doing. I don't feel like like it's padding as much because I feel like this game like knows what it wants to do. Yeah. Um, I'm playing uh, the Yakuza spinoff Judgment right now and that game has padding. Sure. And you can tell. Um, and this, it doesn't feel like there. it's as much padding as like people said, I want to do this level. I have this idea. And then they came to their conclusion about how the level should be completed. Sure. And I don't think they're wrong in that way. Yeah, and I, I think um, the game has a great pacing. It has great momentum. Um, so everything you do, it does feel like you're just going with the actions as presented. And it makes it feel like everything has has drive behind it, even the slower parts. And to that point, in 1998 when this game came out, it must have felt like you were really getting your money's worth. Like, there's a lot of games Yeah, here. and there's multiplayer that we didn't even touch. I know, yeah. I, I actually, like, again, it made me nostalgic to play this game. And uh, as I was entering, like, cheat codes or whatever, 
it was like, do you want to use TeamSpeak or do you want to like have local whatever? And I was like, oh my God, these games used to be the only, the, the most fun multiplayer games used to all yeah. be on PC. And now, I mean, they're still on PC, Ryan. You can play Counter-Strike. That's true. It's free to play. And you can play Dota. It's free to play. And Team Fortress 2 but is you, free to play. But you, you gotta pay microtransactions to get the cool skins. You know, that was something I was gonna say. Um, I wish Half-Life, like, would have, like, had an advertisement for me to pay money, like, every 20 minutes. Or had, like, at the end of a level, it said, do you want to pay $10 to get an extra gun for this next part? I, I just think this game didn't have enough ads or enough, like, asking me for money. So that's, if, if I was to give a criticism, I would say, I want a game that has a lot of constant shit in my face. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I and that's that's what we're getting at with this podcast in general. Psychonauts and, and Donkey Kong Country. We just want more shit in our face yeah it's so sad like dude they didn't even know that you could have microtransactions when they made that's so sad to to really sad the way the way things used to be that must have been so hard brave bethesda and and putting out horse uh, horse armor yeah brave i would brave is definitely the word i would use yeah you know uh when we played psychonauts on this podcast i said this like I, I was I'm so sad that I didn't get to grow up with Psychonauts because I know I would have loved it. Um, it's a similar feeling with Half Life here. I can picture someone like loving this game in 1998 when it came out. You watched no clip. You watched uh, yeah, exactly. Like you watched. Uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, the Jeff Keeley. No, Jeff Keeley is is the game awards person he's in that documentary yeah he starts it yeah he's no he's he's not the well he is the guy who talks yeah let me find the guy while you vamp so yeah he's the guy who starts first um but yeah while you're looking at that this game the way people talk about half-life in that documentary it's they they have such reverence for it and i can see why because it it really feels like a a somewhat personal experience when you play this game because you have to explore you know, Gordon Freeman is a self-insert character, so you can't help but, like, take the game at your pace and assign what you want to it. It's Danny O'Dwyer. There we go. Danny O'Dwyer. That would have bothered me. I should have cut this out, but no, whatever. No, you're fine. Danny O'Dwyer, what's he famous for? No clip and working at right. uh, game he's, he's He's the main guy from No Clip. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. like him and one other guy who right. do it, and they crowdfund it. No, it, the way he talks about Half-Life and that, for for real, he's like, you know, this game... That's like you, how you sp- talk about Smash Bros. Absolutely, dude. I mean, there are formative games, and I think anyone who had their formative years informed by this game, uh, it must have felt really, really cool and really, really big to play a game like this back then. Yeah. You know, it's it's just so engaging. Um, it's, it's like... Uh, I'm trying to think of a comparison of like a movie or a TV show or a book... Where, like, it just gives you just enough information to know what you're doing, but it leaves so much open for interpretation. I don't know. I felt like it was, like, The Matrix. Like, those sure. came out, like, at the same time of, like, here's this world, here, like, and in The Matrix, it's, like, the there's these specific characters. And in this, it's not really, like, specific characters, but it is, like, a specific world where, like, a lot of people have, like, done mods and, and all this other stuff for the game. And then when you got to... Like, the Matrix 2, you got, like, a bunch of people who already had their own, you know, 
uh, agents that would they would cosplay as, yeah, or like yeah. people who would uh, their own uh, runners and all that you know stuff in that world, and that's of the same time period as well. Yeah, totally. It's it's just like uh, maybe something to do with the internet making it feel like you can just enter whole new worlds completely on your own. Maybe that mentality was just starting to, to grasp yeah, people. Like Dungeons and Dragons at the time really coming out and sure. tabletop games in general, like cyberpunk and whatnot. You know, something that I think makes Half-Life unique in that way is its use of sound. And we've talked a little bit about it, but we haven't talked about... Uh, there's not a con- consistent score in this game. Like There's some uh, music, but it comes in and then it'll fade out. Yeah, and it, it comes in at really cool moments. I really liked every instance where music was coming in uh it made me feel cool uh but this like playing half-life it is kind of like uh tranquil in a weird way um there's a big aesthetic uh subgenre that people love now called liminal spaces and, yeah like, liminal stuff half-life is very liminal and it's kind of relaxing and it's it's kind of trend transcendent in a weird way where um you're playing it and there's just like white noise of an office or just like quiet in a hallway and you're hearing your footsteps and just something about it just like draws you into this weird headspace where you're just taking things in. Does that make sense? No, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a unique experience to play this game. Yeah. So what do you, uh, uh, what do you think of the legacy of this game? Uh, it's very clear. It has a huge legacy, you know, it's clear people love this game. It's clear peop, uh, this game informed how games were made moving forward. Um, and, like, I don't know if there's a game that has a bigger legacy, because you could make the very real argument that this game was the first step uh, that eventually led to Steam, right? Yeah. If this game hadn't been successful, Steam might not have been successful. Yeah. And now digital storefronts are the thing. Mm-hmm. And think of how many games were released, not just on digital storefronts in general, but just on Steam. If you want to be like a conservative estimate, uh, there's so many games that were able to be released because of this game. Yeah. And like over time, the and like seeing how Valve has changed to become a company that's like, we're just going to focus on Steam. And that feels like like Half-Life, the games in general, were kind of put out as like a way to test their different tech. Mm-hmm. Like the original, like, you know, it's the first game, so I don't really count that as much. Um, but then like two, there's like stuff like squad mechanics in it. Uh, and like the first, like episode one uh, deals a lot with like, uh, with squad mechanics as well. And like, um, I think the Antlands are in the first episode, I want to say. Um, and, like, moving people and, and like, their AI tech. Hmm. Uh, and then, like, the second game, this, the second episode feeling like it, it deals a lot with, like, environmental uh, design uh, and, like, lighting. Hmm. Um, and then the, uh, like, Half-Life Alex is, like, VR. Right. You know? Right, yeah, like, okay, the new thing is VR, let's make a Half-Life game to test yeah. it out. And now it feels like they only break out games when they're like, we want to show this off. Like, now that's how they do, like, even, the, like, VR with, like, how they've used the Portal stuff, where they'll have you play, like, Portal in VR. 
Mm. Like they'll do like co-op stuff in VR, like playing as one of the uh, the robots that they've created for that um, to do testing facilities and whatnot. So yeah, like now it, it feels weird that like Half-Life has been sanctioned off to that. And I don't play any Counter-Strike so I don't really care about Counter-Strike. But Counter-Strike <laughs> is huge. Yeah. Like it, it's fucking gigantic. I mean, Counter-Strike like birthed esports yeah. really mm-hmm. and like you can look at like that going on to create stuff like starcraft uh like esports and now dota is huge and i don't even know if i don't know how huge dota is i just i hear about it a lot on podcasts and like how big the international prize pool is and, and whatnot but like dota influenced how the battle pass is done i mean they're like the first ones to do battle passes so Blame Half-Life. <laughs> well, that's, you know, if some, all that stuff that we're talking about, um, that alone would be enough to make Half-Life like a really important game. Yeah. But it's also a really good game. Yeah. It's also, it just has aged really well. Um, but especially for 1998, it's like, wow, this is the transformative in a way that very few, uh, pieces of media get to be yeah and it's it's surprisingly fun even in 2023 Uh, i mean it's wild uh, what do you think would you recommend people play this absolutely 100 percent. i don't think we've played a game that i wouldn't recommend on this podcast but um not yet you wouldn't i mean would you not recommend people play witch hunt uh i guess that's the closest i mean i think witch hunt is worth playing and i think it's like 10 bucks so I I would say so, yeah that's a coffee yeah um but yeah Half Life if you have ever played a first person shooter you should play Half Life if you like um, science fiction if you like horror you should play Half Life um, if you like video game history or industry history you should play Half Life um, even if you just don't if you if you have no interest in any of that stuff I think Half Life is probably one of the most important games that's ever come out as far yeah. as how it changed so much in gaming um, and was the precursor or the catalyst for, like you said, esports, uh, uh, digital marketplaces, like all this shit kind of stemmed from Half-Life and it's wild to think about. So I think if nothing else, you should play this game for that perspective. Um, but it is also a good game. Even if it didn't spawn esports and digital marketplaces, yeah. it would be worth playing. Yeah. Just understand that you will never finish out the story of Half-Life 2. So sorry. <laughs> Not yet. I mean, I guess if you do, if you uh, have VR, you can play Alex, but I, I can't tell you whether or not that finishes the story or not. I doubt it. Yeah. Well, how would you feel if Valve just like one day dropped Half-Life 2 Episode 3? That's what people have been saying for years. Like, uh, I remember even listening to podcasts back in like 2000, you know, 15, people would talk about, hey, like, what if people, or what if Valve just... E3 one day, just, it's up, go play it. And, like, because that's how they would do it. They wouldn't do a big blowout press conference. They would just be like, hey, guys, we own the storefront. It's on the front page. That would be so awesome, dude. Like, you just wait. Like, people, that, it's like a, like, now, it's like an old man fairy tale. It's not, it's not (laughs) like a, like, it used to be, like, in the early, like, uh, 2010s or, like, late, uh 2000s you get people who talk about like half-life 3 and now steam is just like the thing that valve does that 
nobody talks about Half-Life anymore. Yeah, uh, Half-Life 2 Episode 3 was like a meme. It's, it's like uh, the Mother 3 localization level yeah. of like people want it. Uh, and there's like a, a, a market for it. But for whatever reason, uh, you know, just ha- didn't come out. Yeah. And um, but I mean, I don't know the full, like the whole reason. I mean, we'll never know. Is the the reason people are expecting it is because Half Life Two Episode Two ends on a cliffhanger. It's a gigantic cliffhanger. And it's, a, it's like if you play it, you're gonna be like, "Motherfucker, are you kidding me?" <laughs> and uh, like they end on such a cliffhanger. Like it's like if the you ended on uh, Star Wars uh, Empire Strikes Back, and you're just like, series got canceled after that. Oh, You'd be like, "What the fuck? You can't end on that." Woody's finest or, hour in Toy yeah, Story Two. Yeah. Sorry, that was a weird reference to pull it's out. It's not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay. Well, I, it's 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 funny. Like, um, that was such a... Uh, like, when I, I was in high school, you know, like, uh, probably 2010, 2009, 10, 11, um, Half-Life 2 Episode 3 was still, like, possible. Yeah. Where people were like, it's been, del- it's been five years or whatever. Yeah. But it, it, it can like still come years. out. I mean, they were... They put out these episodes and they did one and then with the orange box they put out two mm-hmm. and then it was like we will we will make episode three and it was like okay like it'll it'll come out and i remember listening to like rebel fm doing their first game club them talking about half-life and even that back in like 2010 2009 they were like i don't think half-life two episode three is ever gonna come out is it because it's been like <laughs> two years like it had been delayed at that point yeah to the point where it was like this is not gonna come out is it um and like that was like their future like it was like hey like we're gonna do episodic content and like you saw episodic content take off with telltale stuff and telltale had done episodic content before with uh with the sam and max series uh, and other stuff but like it hadn't like reached the mainstream and then when valve did it, it was like but this is going to become mainstream. And then it was like, this doesn't work. And we never saw the conclusion of why it like didn't work. Like nobody will, nobody will talk about it. Like yeah. and the people who are, who are able to talk about it probably are all like gone from valve and probably don't even care at this point. Yeah. Or maybe signed an NDA or something. Yeah. Yeah. So it's you know, a sad story, but like half-life one is still there and it's really fun. Yeah, yeah, it's it's still worth playing. Like I think this was a really satisfying experience, self-contained, you know, outside of uh, the huge world and franchise that it built. So, uh, you know, I saw a really interesting uh, fan theory uh, online that G-Man, the character of G-Man in Half Life, um, he talks about how, uh, hey, Gordon Freeman, my employers want to. Um, you know work with you right and he says uh at the end of half-life one you're gonna be in stasis or whatever until my employers need you again and uh people have theorized online that the employers that g-man is referring to is valve that g-man is aware that half-life is a video game and he's omnipotent in that way and he knows that um valve exists and so at the end when he's saying you're going to be in stasis until we need you again, Mr. Freeman. He's saying until Valve wants to make another Half-Life game. He doesn't do that in Episode 2, though. Oh, okay. So, um, and from what I've heard with the rumors with Alex, it, 
that I don't think that's what they've ever done. Sure. Especially from the post from Mark Laidlaw. It's like, oh, it's clear they had I- ideas. Sure. Like, story-wise. Okay. And they just... Something happened. I'm a Half-Life noob. I've only played... Once you one once, third once you get to 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 the episodes, you'll be like, I understand. <laughs> oh, man. I can't wait. We'll, we'll, uh, yeah, but that's uh, I think that's the episode. Did mm-hmm. Did you have any other final thoughts? No. Um, this is a great game. Super cheap. Um, it's like ten bucks, and you will literally find it for like a dollar when it goes on a Steam Summer Sale or yeah. whatever. And there's no reason you shouldn't play this game. But, I'm like, surprised they're not literally giving it out for free. At this point, you know, like, it's 25 years old. Uh, no, it's closer to 30 years old now. Yeah, yeah so just fucking let people have it for free. Uh, you could probably fit this whole game on a hard drive now, so. You could f- fit this whole game on a fucking floppy disk, probably. Yeah. I mean, you can't, because I don't think floppy disks are, are that big. But. but you could probably text someone this whole game now. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. But yeah, would would you I don't know if I asked you, would you recommend this game? I would recommend this game. Good. I would say that you should play it. Uh uh go into it like we said last episode uh where be comfortable using cheats cuz you might be like, "Fuck. <laughs> it's hard." Yeah. No, cheat actually real quick before we end, I want to say uh the best way to play this game is the way that I played it, where I played it and then when I got stuck or bored, I didn't give it longer than two minutes. And I said, okay, I'm stuck. No clip. God mode. Thank you. And I went through. And it was very, very uh, fun to just skip over the boring parts. <laughs> Whereas I went through the whole thing until I got to Zen. And I was like, no, thank you. Yeah. With like a couple platforming parts. See you. But, uh, but yeah. yeah. So anything we want to plug? Uh, I don't think so. I don't really have anything that I'm working on. Uh, maybe next month I'll have something that i can plug but for right now nope all right cool then yeah like you said that's the episode yeah what are we playing next month ryan a game that i'm very excited to play called uh shredder's revenge the recent ninja turtles uh video game available on probably everything yeah it's it's on most uh consoles platforms um i'll probably play it for switch and i was going to say Maybe even you and I can meet up for a PlayStation or a play session together. <laughs> Maybe I don't know where I'm gonna get it, uh, but I know it has online, so yeah. uh, we can discuss that and then reconvene. Uh, so that's it for the month. Uh, thank you for listening to the show this month, uh, uh, Ryan. Where can they find you on the internet? Uh, they can find me at um, Twitter at skrydly. Okay. No YouTube. Uh, my YouTube is uh, Nice Pants N I C E space P A N T S. That's the YouTube channel. I'll Sorry, I didn't know if I wanted to plug your YouTube or not. No, my my personal YouTube is just like crap. It's S K R Y D L Y. I meant Nice Pants. I don't. I don't mean your your yeah, other yeah. one. <laughs> um. Uh, all right. Uh, and then you can find me on Twitter at uh, Ironheart one one eight three. And then uh, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at InfinitePixelsPodcast at Gmail. Dot com, uh, and you can also follow us on Twitter at uh, podcast underscore pixels. Uh, until then, uh, have a pleasant day, everyone.